we will have a world government, whether you like it or not. The only question is whether that government will be achieved by conquest or consent. Paul Warburg. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of Saturn. My name is Jason Lindgren. I'm your host. Tonight we have Dan Badandi, a very well-known activist. Good evening, Dan. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. It's a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine, man. Let's start with your history. What, got, what woke you up? What got you into this? Um, you know, I was basically a normal person that, you know, all my life, even with anything or anyone, I've always challenged things. Not to be a rebel, but to say, hey, there's more to the story than meets the eye or that which what's being told. So no matter what it was, I would confront a teacher. And if I knew I was right, I mean, I would let you know I'll be in your face about it. You know what I mean? Not physically, <laughs> but, you know, just say, hey, listen, I know this is right. You know, and um, I would confront people. Even, you know, people being bullies on their jobs, like supervisors and all that. I got fired half the time. But um, the thing is, like, I just never took crap from anybody. And um, even if I got my butt kicked in a fight, you know, I'm going to stand up to you. You know what I mean? And, uh, but the thing is, like, I always questioned things. And um, I was uh, well familiar with the Bible. And I fell out of that a little for a little while. Got Unfortunately, got involved with the occult a little bit. And uh, thank God, got back out of it. And, uh, you know, got out of it and went back to the biblical aspect. And about this time, without the churches, you know, lying about the Bible. And I read the Bible on my own. And uh, it's a whole new Bible. I mean, you learn ten times more. Then you know, learn about the New World Order, learn about uh, the Illuminati, and uh, just like all this stuff happening. And I'm starting to question things altogether. And um, I became a huge activist. And a radio show fell into my lap. And I started a truth radio show. I started off as actually a paranormal talk show. Oh, really? And, yep. Uh, me and a bunch of other guys. It was called the Paranormal Hour. It was an hour of paranormal talk. And I don't it was all right. But, I mean, like, um, we had the whole night slot open. And my uncle was the manager of the station. It was uh, WALE 990 AM in Providence, Rhode Island. And I'm like, oh, can I do a show? You know, a news political show? He goes, sure. You know, you have the whole night to do whatever you want. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So I started uh, Truth Radio. It was me, my cousin, and uncle, and it narrowed down to me eventually. And uh, I kept it going for like over five years now. And um, yeah, I've been doing tons of news reports on my own. Uh, radio, I mean, been to a bunch of different stations. Got kicked off of some for stuff such as the Boston bomb and everything else. And uh, about years ago, I um, won a reporter contest from Forbes.com. Me and Jakari Jackson were the winners, and um, I went down to Texas for almost a year. Uh, basically, um, my, my family's supposed to move down there. They don't want to move down there, so Alex says, hey, you know, go home, be with your family. I'll keep you as a correspondent reporter for New England. And I'm like, sure, all right. So instead of flying me back and forth, it saves the company money, too. Right. So i um, been doing that. I mean, just like been all over the place, doing my things, things for InfoWars and other media companies, newspapers and all that stuff. Fantastic. And always uh, in the faces of politicians, please. Uh, I mean, again, it's not that I want to be a hero. It's just like, you know, I'm just sick of the, you know, the world of crap. And, you know, it's, I'm not out there to be glorified, but, you know, it's like I'm the person who says, hey, you know what? I want to inspire people. You know, it's like I'm from the smallest city in the smallest state in the whole country. You know, Central Falls, Rhode Island, it's a small city in the, you know, in the smallest state. Right. And, um, and what I did with Boston with those questions, that reached the entire world and inspired people all over the world to stand up against these uh, global elite. That's right. And it shows that, hey, this guy from the smallest city in the smallest uh, state 
could you know be a big impact at Infowars and be a big impact at the Boston bombing exposing false flags. You know anybody can do it, and um, and it inspires a lot of people. Not that I don't want to be famous or anything. It's just like I just want to inspire people to say, hey, it's all of our duty to take action. That's awesome. Well, it's not even so much about being a celebrity or being famous. Yeah. It's about spreading information and saying, hey, we're all in this together. It's us against them. These people aren't going to give us any quarter. They're, they're not going to give in, so we can't either. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you take a look at me, I'm not a face that's pretty on TV. I stutter. I mispronounce words constantly. I mean, I, you know, I mean I'm all over the place with that. It shows, hey, I'm just a normal person. You know what I mean? I'm not a... Uh, uh, beautiful-looking uh, person that can read perfectly from a teleprompter like the guys on CNN, MSNBC, and all that. And that's why every time I hit the media, you have MSNBC, Chris Hayes, for one, trash me all the time, and uh, Alex Jones as well. Uh, they, they love to trash me and Alex, especially with the Boston thing, and um, also, and then the state senator tell me to go F myself, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they love to, tr- look for any little thing to trash us, you know what I mean? And again, I'm not a perfect speaker, but you know what? I have a heart of a lion, and I'm going to stand up against tyranny. I'm pretty sure you're very well respected for that. That's actually how I found you, found you is because of your work and um, why I wanted to talk to you. And as far as the media goes, they always attack the messenger because they can't attack the message because the message is truth. And they can't, oh, yeah, they the can't touch thing, it. They sit there and belittle me. Oh, he mispronounced the word. He misspelled the word on something. God forbid. You know what I mean? And, you know, because I'm not reading off of teleprompters like they do. And they'll sit there and attack me for about the whole time they're doing this. They never could ever say, hey, this is, we got proof that they're wrong. Right, they exactly. They, they, they attack the people because it's like, well, that's the only vulnerability we can see is this guy doesn't look like a, a, a Ken doll. So. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? It's like they, could, they do all that, but the whole time, it's like basically stepping up to the plate. You know, you got a ball coming at you. You have no bat to bat. You know, you have no bat to even step up to the plate with. That's the, you know, when we hit home runs all day, they can't step up to the plate. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you there. You know, it's, a, it's just, it's, it's just crazy. It really is. Well, we all know that the media is bought and paid for, and they're just reading from scripts handed down from on high. Oh, yeah, and I went after the Boston bombing, I was outside Bullhorn and CNN and Fox. Ah, <laughs> Yes. They were all doing their shows on the corner there. I forget the name of the road, but right down the road and uh, live shows. I was on the other side, you know, in the camera view, and I could see all the teleprompters. You know, the reporters reading perfectly off the teleprompters, and uh, the audience is in front, of course. They can't see what's going on. I'm screaming the bow on, hey, this is your mainstream media reading off the teleprompters, dumbed-down media, and the cops came over and intimidated us. and Well, tried to intimidate us, I should say, no. Uh, they uh, basically pushed us away because, you know, you can't be in front of mainstream media cameras, you know. Well, they protect them. Like like you're not a real journalist. And that's exactly what it is. These people aren't journalists. Yeah. They're actors. They're actors playing journalists. Like, hey, I'm going to read from this teleprompter and I'm going to do it perfectly because I'm an actor. Not because I'm out doing any kind of real journalism or researching stories or want to give you accurate information. I'm just going to read from this script and do what I'm told and that's exactly. it. And, and people like you and all the other organizations out there, like people like us, we're trying to get real information out there and, and you know the whole look of it and sound of it be damned. You know, we're going to do the best we can with the minimum equipment we have, but we're still going to get the information out there. We're not afraid. Absolutely. We're going to do this. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they're encouraged by stuff like that. You know, it's a normal guy standing up and, you know, on a worldwide scale at that. Those Boston co- uh, bombing press conferences, I mean, I, 
you know, I was confronted and, um, you know, I was threatened by the FBI, Obama's uh, Secret Service, Homeland Security. I mean, all the uh, alphabet agencies, you know, just surrounded me, trying to uh, threaten me. And I'm like, at that time, I had adrenaline running through me. And people go, so I go, oh, you got a lot of kahunas. And it's like, well, at, the, at that point, it's not about having kahunas. <laughs> You're just so angry and furious because you know the, the horrible thing that these people do. Horrible things, and you just right. at that point in time, you don't care what happens to you. All you do is want to get in their faces and uh, exploit them, and that's exactly what I did. And, I, and you can see the picture of me pointing on my finger in um, Obama's Secret Service guy's face and the FBI agent's face. And basically, I told him right out to hey, I'm not afraid of you, scum. You know what I mean? Like, and <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, uh, do you want to go into that a little more? Like, do, do you want to actually uh, say what they actually said oh, to yeah, you or what like, they actually tried to do? Let people actually hear oh, what yeah, goes they, on they, in these they, kinds they of situations. Uh, asking those questions, and uh, if you continue what you're doing, we're going to arrest you and all that stuff. And um, I mean, this is coming from everybody, you know, I'm all the agencies at that. And surprisingly, the only ones that didn't give me a hard time at that point was the Boston Police Department. Until I went down the street and both once here and then, but the Boston Police Department—they were the only ones that really. I mean, a couple of them came up, but it was more the federal agents that were. Try to use intimidating tactics, uh, threatening me with arrest and everything else, and uh, I mean, just say shoved it right back in the face. I mean, I'm like, yeah, do what you come and try it. You know, I mean, like, and especially <laughs> the foreign media came over. That's when when all the foreign media came over. And it was the, there was the last press conference. The, all the feds scattered like a bunch of roaches that they are. Yeah. Yep. Oh, really? Exactly. I mean, I got surrounded. I thought something definitely was going to happen, but when the foreign media came over with the cameras and all that. Going. <laughs> That's cool. No, well, that was your chance yeah. to really get some good info out there, though, because they were going to take that back to their respective organizations, and well, no one was stopping you at that was, point. You know, the average person has curiosity, so they're like, first they conjure to themselves, oh, we need your help with your pictures and video to, uh, you know, find these criminals or uh, get evidence against these people. But when I brought to the table, say, hey, we got the real evidence on Infowars.com, they said, don't go to Infowars.com, and sure enough, People, millions of people from all over the world. Uh, Alex said it was over 100,000 hits a minute on Infowars.com. It was like a record for Infowars.com. And we, During the Boston bombing? Yep. When I said uh, we got the photos on Infowars.com, people from all over the world. Alex said, um, he called me, he was talking to him that night, and he said he had to call the IT guys in because the service was almost overloaded. Wow. He said it estimated well over 100,000 hits a minute. And they gained actually that's, about, that's uh, huge. I think, a almost two, three million more uh, regular listeners after that. Because people are like, oh, wow, this is Infowars, let me check them out. And people that even didn't agree with me, they wanted to go on just to see what I had. And I'm sure enough, it kind of convinced a lot of people that were against me at first, hey, wait a minute, this guy's onto something, you know. So it was a big victory. And um, also, uh, Google search term hit an all-time record high when I mentioned false flag at the first press conference. Yep, an all-time record high on Google of a search term. People from all over the world got on Google false flag, you know, to see what a false flag was. Yeah, fantastic job on that, by the way. That was my first real um, example of what you do, and I was like, that guy's awesome. Yeah, they call me the Kraken. <laughs> I loved that. I heard that term. I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> that awesome. Fantastic, man. Going back in your history, what was, like, the beginning of your activism? Um, what was, like, the first people you started confronting, or what was, like, the thing that you really did first to really start making uh, a difference again? Oh, the getting very first out there? activism I did was actually uh, when the Tea Party was endorsing Sarah Palin and John McCain. I went to the Rhode Island State House with my bullhorn and a bunch of big pictures with the Sarah Palin and John McCain uh, things, you know, the vampires. 
confronting these guys and say, hey, these guys are just GOP establishment who hijacked the Tea Party, and little behold, today, the Tea Party is nothing more but the GOP hijack organization now. And, um, you know, at first it started off as a good thing. You know, the Ron Paul movement actually resurrected it, and, uh, but GOP hijacked it, and we were just exploiting it, you know, and then I uh, said, hey, you're being hijacked. And it was started by libertarian independents, not Republicans, you know, and, uh, but uh, it went off from there. We did all kinds of rallies every year. We do a 9/11 Truth Rally. Uh, I mean, just I mean, I took part of other people's rallies too, uh, against the United Nations flags being hung in different places in Rhode Island, and uh, just tons of over the years, you know, tons of different rallies and uh, all that stuff. Uh, as far as politicians you've confronted, who's who's uh, some of your better stories you'd like to tell? Uh, a lot of state, uh, uh, federal senators, uh, U.S. senators, I should say, uh, Sheldon Whitehouse. Uh, Jack Reed, uh, I mean, just a bunch of different um, politicians, uh, governors, uh, mayors. <laughs> I mean, even Obama at one point, but I wasn't head up. I mean, I confronted uh, Bill Clinton at a, uh, an event there when he was endorsing uh, this guy Caprio for governor in 2010 in Rhode Island. Really? Did you actually get to talk to Clinton? No, I was uh, about, about three rows away from him. And it was me and my friend uh, from We Are Change, Nathan Florence, he, we split up, so he was at the other end of the auditorium. He caused a big ruckus, basically, to say, you know, call up Bill Clinton. So when all the security, you know, went over to get him, and as they're pushing him out, I jumped up, and I got to say a lot to Bill Clinton before they got to me, you know, before they ripped me out of there. And, you know, it was a good day. And uh, the same day, we confronted a crooked judge here in Rhode Island, uh, confronted at the time Attorney General, who was a crooked uh, guy. I mean, just like we, we hit a lot of people that one day. That all came to kiss ass to Bill Clinton, you know. <laughs> of course. So did uh, did Bill actually hear you amongst oh, yeah. the whole ruckus? I uh, heard uh, my friend Nathan first, and he goes, "Oh, anyway, moving on." And I jumped up and started yelling at him, all things about Waco and everything else, and uh, <laughs> you know, just like nine eleven too. And, you know, by the time they got to me, and I basically called him a murderer. That's exactly you know, he's a murderer and all that. And yeah, he just shut up the whole time until they escorted me out. That's interesting because Bill Clinton seems to be the one who's really good at like keeping his composure and um, just keeping that facade of "I'm in control." Bill seems to be really good at that. Yeah. All the little uh, confrontations I've seen videos of, he always seems to just be able to keep that straight face and make like almost make it look like I'm going to turn this on you. You're the fool for bringing this up in the first place because I'm the president, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. After Nathan got thrown out, he goes, "Well, let's get back to the facts," and that's when I step. Well, let's get back to the facts that you're a murderer, Bill Clinton. And I got on my uh, YouTube. Uh, Dan Bedani confronts Bill Clinton. And it's two different uh, videos of that, and but it, it, it's great. We confronted a bunch of politicians, and uh, and you know, over the years, cops too. When I seen a cop, you know, three cops beat up this guy in Cumberland. I mean, I'm Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I mean, and I, but I ran to go get my video camera. I didn't catch the beating, but I confronted the police with that, and uh, they called the. You know, of course, they turned it all around and let the guy go after because they knew I had it on video, and I told my shadow cameras, so nothing would happen to me. And um, basically, I just. Gave the cops a piece of my mind, and it's just many other cops too. I confronted uh, people at the Capitol building, you know, the Capitol Police and such, and you know, it's just like all these people over the years. That I mean, the thing is, you don't want to go confront people, but you know, you know, you have to. And uh, Senate hearing meetings where I stood up and testified against gun control, and that um, senator to, who told me to go after myself and confronted him, confronted a uh, um, contradicting uh, pastor. A reverend, whatever he is, he, um, the guy says he's a man of God, but yeah, he supports abortion. 
then he had the nerve to tell me, oh, we, we, we should take items off the street because it's murder. But yeah, so that's murder, but yet you endorse abortion. <laughs> <laughs> it's not contradicting. And uh, my, I confronted him, and um, it's just like, like one of the, the people I confronted, but I mean, it's, it's been a long ride, but we know, you know, still more work to go. Awesome, man. Let's talk about, you told me off air that you had originally started as a paranormal show, and then it moved into you doing yep. um, Truth Radio. On that show, was it like an Art Bell approach where you kind of discussed everything and, and that kind of helped you to learn more about uh, who the elite and what this New World Order is all about? Because that's kind of how it worked for me. I was interested in a variety of subjects, symbolism, ancient history, how everything interrelates, just all of that. And uh, I'd like to think I have a fairly good idea of how things really work now. I mean, but I learn more every day. And uh, did you have a similar experience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, basically what I would do is I would have first hour, you know, sometimes we did four-hour shows. And, um, you know, first hour will cover the news, sometimes the second hour. Third hour would have a guest and, um, you know, talk about or have a, a specific subject. In the third or fourth hour, we have the guest on that has correlates with the subject we're talking about, like an expert in the area. And um, it just went all over the place. And what we did was like, yes, we were all over the place, but we showed how it all intertwines with each other. It's like a you know a puzzle. You know, I explain to people all the time. You get a ten thousand piece puzzle. Right. You say there's no picture on the box, so you don't, you don't even know where to go. There's no picture on that box of that puzzle. Ten thousand pieces. And you dump that on the table, and you're like, where the hell do I even start? What the hell is this got to do with that one? <laughs> and you put the frame together, you know, common sense. Then you start putting pictures together. Then all of a sudden, everything starts fitting in place. And you, it's same thing here, all this stuff. And you start realizing, without this, this won't exist. And, you know, it's all complicated, and the globalists make it that way purposely, so people don't even bother. But if you understand that puzzle system, you learn to put these pieces together. And what it's tied to, you know, you would understand the overall picture. How far back in history have you gone? Because I found that the farther you go back, there there are connections that go back. Yep. Uh, they follow this religion. They're, they're Luciferians. Um, Mystery Babylon is something I've definitely looked into. I find that very fascinating that, that these, these old world families, old money, that goes back generation upon generation, and it's just been carried forward. And they're real... Um, how would you say, like, their their grip of power came in to be in the 1800s with uh, Nathan Rothschild during the Napoleonic era. They really got control of the banks and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can go way back in history. and um, Because, to me, the past is the key to the future. Yes, you know I agree I mean? totally. Like Edmund Burke says, those who don't know the past are doomed to repeat it. Those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. I'm sorry. It's a great statement. So the key to the future is the past, you know what I mean? Because right. you don't want to repeat what, you know, what the past did and... That's why with the elite, you're trying to do that all the time. They're trying to change it, you know, manipulate histories and, you know, history books in the schools to make the kids believe other than what really happened. And so, you know, default the past so they accept this future that, you know, basically repeating history. <laughs> Just like uh, the example was shown in 1984 where they were constantly rewriting history. Well, yep. if you're in control, then the next generation doesn't know that you've just rewritten it a hundred times. Absolutely. All the I mean, you got the 501c3 churches out there, government-controlled churches. You got the, um, the government-controlled schools. Uh, just every every branch of society that they're brainwashing, indoctrinating our children to believe in this one way. And then the elite, they know, like, they couldn't really take God out of the country. They tried to uh, back in when the Illuminati infiltrated the American Freemason lodges. And um, they knew it's like an undestructive computer. You can shoot it and everything else. It's not going to be destroyed. So they knew, all right, we have to do, uh, do something called Frankenism. Frankenism is a German word for uh, infiltration. 
they, uh, the Illuminati got inside of politics, got inside of um, religion and split them two up, got into politics and split the, you know, created the Republican Democratic Party, purposely divide America, got into religion. And the Franconism, no, was you, you take a sworn oath, you do anything you have to do to prove to the people that you are what you say you are. But in the ultimate, you're probably Illuminati, and your goal is to divide. So they got into the churches, you know, I mean, you had uh, all these people like uh, Joseph Smith, uh, Charles Chase Russells, um, even General Gardner, but with that was in Wick or whatever. But these people got into the religions, even um, uh, Darby, and all, I mean, all these people that came along. That said, hey, you know, you know, well, I'm a good man of God. They donate, you know, tons of money, built churches, doing all these good things, get people to follow them. Branched off their own religion, which destroyed the fabric of the Bible. Now they're going by that one, where it's not what the Bible says. So they they create all these religions out there to destroy. Now they not only divide a, uh, politics and religion, but they divide religion as well and also politics. And now people don't know what to believe and which way to turn. Because everything's so corrupted, and they did that purposely. And their goal is to weave all this stuff back together again as one religion, politics is one, but this time as a one world order, the new world order. And world religion, you, I mean, you are told what to watch up. You know, you know, you know the whole deal with that. Right. And um, the whole new world order system. And that's exactly what they were doing. They uh, unwind what was good in this country, then wind it back up into this black hole uh, pit of hell of the New World Order. Now, how far back do you really think this goes, that they were planning what we have today? Now, obviously, they couldn't foresee uh, the technological advances we've got, but the ideas seem to have been laid down a very long time ago. Oh, yeah, at least 6,000 years ago, if not more, with Babylon and all that. I mean, they tried to bring in the one world system then, and, uh, you know, all the time, every time the man tried to do that, it just led to... And people say, oh, uh, man knows better, man knows better, but... History proves that every time man thought he knew better than God, it led to death and destruction. I mean, the humans just destroy themselves, and, you know, cities crumble, empires crumble. You know, you got a good empire. Look with uh, Israel. Israel started off great. It's a great people, a powerful empire. Then uh, God warned them, hey, um, because people wanted a king, God says no, because kings become corrupt. Right. He a king. The prophets were telling the Israelites, but they wanted a king. God gave it to them, and look what happened. Uh, Israel became corrupted over and over again. Even King David uh, became corrupt and killed uh, his friend for this woman, or whatever. And uh, it's just like you know, it shows corruption. Like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So I mean, there you have it. Like in all through history, not just with the Jews, but everywhere. I mean, you know, empires always fall. Nothing stay. You know, nothing lasts forever because when man controls it and thinks he knows his own way, you know, then that's where just death and destruction. So in your opinion, you would say there's a huge spiritual element to all this as well as um, physical banking element. Yeah, because that's what I, because everybody used to tell me, oh, uh, if you want to know the truth or agenda behind everything, follow the money. Yeah, you follow the money, but it goes further than that. There's a political agenda behind that. Right. And it it goes beyond the money because the elite, they, they have all the money in the world, they don't need your money. They just use it to control you. The money's worthless, yeah, everybody knows about the Federal Reserve fraud. So it goes beyond following the money rule. It goes even beyond the uh, political rule. It goes to a spiritual agenda. I mean, uh, a lot of people, I mean, like, I don't bash anybody. Whatever they want to believe, God bless them. But the thing is, the elite of this world, they believe in Lucifer as God. You know, these people are Illuminati scum. They belong to this one bloodline that dates back all the way to the Garden of Eden. This one uh, continuous bloodline that dated back to Cain, 
and uh, you have to see the serpent, and uh, they have to keep this bloodline to bring forth their king, their rule, and this is what the elite believe. That's what the Illuminati, they create all these uh, monuments all over the country, uh, all over the world, I'm sorry, all the state, all the capitals are built in accordance with uh, Pleiades and Orion, the star, they call it the Dog Star or the Blazing Star Sirius, it's all astrologically built with the monuments and the uh, uh, obelisks and all that to resurrect their king, which is the Antichrist. Now, what do you actually think they're, uh, what they really think? Now, you hear a lot of crazy stuff out there, and who knows what's actually going on, but you hear things about Pleiadians, you hear things about reptilians, like all sorts of things, and it gets very convoluted, and, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't know what to believe anymore because you just hear so much. Yeah, because, I mean, you got people out there that stop making these videos and all that, and it just ruins it for people like us who actually study it because somebody come up with a cockamamie idea with no proof and put a YouTube video out and it just uh, distorts it for everybody. For example, um, when Obama first became president, uh, there was some people that put a video out to say Obama wasn't the first black president, it was John Hansen. Now, a lot of Americans are completely unaware. We had, uh, I think it was about seven or nine presidents before George Washington. They were appointed by Congress. Right. For one or two years each, there was a guy named John Hansen. He was the first president of the United States. But how, under the Articles of Confederation, but there was two John Hansons. They they were confusing the two. They said, oh, we got pictures to prove it. The thing is, he served in, I think it was 1791 or whatever it was, and um, and the photograph was invented to uh, 1843, I believe, in the 1840s. But the thing is, you can't have a picture of John Hanson. There was a politician named John Hanson. He lived in the mid-1800s. He was the first uh, black politician from Maryland. And he was, he's on a $2 bill as well in the back. But the thing is, he wasn't the president of the United States. It was a white guy. They got a portrait of him in the White House. He was a white Swedish guy, you know, chunky face. You know, more Swedish you get, that's white as you get. <laughs> so, I mean, it shows you how the disinformation. People put these videos out, and it actually looks real. I, I bought it for a minute, and then I'm like, wait a minute, let me do the research. And plus, at that time, there was a lot of racism going on. There's no way in hell... Um, a uh, black guy could be president of the United States at the time, you know, and uh, right. And I looked into the research, and sure enough, and they said, oh, we got the picture. I'm like, how the hell you got a picture 50 years before the picture existed? Yeah, the photographs were So it's that that story right there, it's like, you got to dot your eyes and uh, cross your T's, you know what I mean? And, uh, to, you know, to really get the truth out, because there's so much disinformation going around, and everybody thinks, uh, anybody in Hollywood dies, oh, the Illuminati killed them, or whatever. That's not case. It's right. somebody just coming up with cockamamie ideas, like uh, uh, Paul Walker that died, they said the Illuminati killed him. No, Illuminati, he was just driving like a retard and crashing the train. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people make stuff up, and uh, it just demoralizes us. Like, I was a pro wrestler for 15 years, and uh, and when you have the backyard wrestling, which is a bunch of kids that are not trained, they just root for the professional guys, so people don't know when. They see a show, and they go, you know, they don't know, they can't tell the difference between professional in the backyard. So it just ruins it for everybody. Same thing with this here. What we do, we study day and night. But you got some people out there that automatically assume like that Clive and Bundy was part of the Illuminati because the Bundy name was the Illuminati. I'm not saying that anybody in the country's name with uh, Bundy is Illuminati. But Clive and Bundy is not going to, you know, he's not the Illuminati. You know what I mean? Uh, somebody in the Illuminati in the family, they're gonna, not going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to shovel horse crap. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. That term Illuminati, that gets used pretty much for everything. Yeah. But there, to be fair, that the symbolism is, is kind of blatant. Things such as like Katy Perry videos and things like that, they use beyond blatant symbolism. I mean, they're using the exact 
symbolism. Sometimes they're even performing rituals. There's one that where Pink a few years ago did uh, the Freemason ceremony. Oh uh, yeah. So I mean, these things are going on. My my question is, why are they doing that? What what are the, what's the point? Well, now they're just blatant, like you said, putting it out. I mean, look at the Super Bowl halftime shows for the last three years. Uh, the the last two Olympics, the open and closing ceremony, just blatantly rubbing your face. You got millions of people all over the world watching. People at the stadium sitting there clapping. Oh, what a great show! Not knowing they're telling you right in your face, "Hey, we're gonna kill you. We're gonna enslave you." You know, you're you're clapping for the Dark Lord. You know, what I mean, the one in China, the Olympics. There, yes. The big image is Dark Lord coming out, and people just sitting there clapping, not knowing what the hell is going on. You know. They are open with the stuff now because they don't care. They open it. I mean, you see the cartoon network. Real, it's like a microsecond in between cartoons. Sometimes mm-hmm. you see a pyramid says Illuminati on it. Bang, right there. And you have cartoons. I mean, Disney Channel blatantly showed them to kids right there. Bam. Here's a picture of uh, uh, all CNI with a bunch of gargoyles doing the Hail Satan. You know, uh, symbols. I mean, Illuminati symbolism in the video games too, and they just like openly. Put it out there. I mean, you got rappers like Jay Z and all that just flaunting it. Even though we know that the low level Illuminati, they're just puppets, so, so to speak. But, you know, these people will just flaunt it like it's a cool thing, you know? Well, those guys, I would think, are made to manipulate other people's in their kind of communities, like Jay Z and uh, Kanye West, for example, are there to manipulate the black community. And Katy Perry and other people like that, they're to get, like, the young white kids. It seems like they're just targeting everything just to make sure that their symbolism is being used because they believe in uh, sympathetic magic, I believe it's called. Oh, yeah, sympathetic magic, ritual magic. uh, Put the intention out there of what they want. And openly state what they're going to do to you, and, you know, people clap for it. You know, it's like, and everybody that watched pro wrestling, I mean, over the years you can see it. Pro wrestling represents society because, you know, nine out of ten kids watch pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Um, especially back then. And all the time when you know, the WrestleManias came around, it was the good guy that tramped 99% of the time. Right. It was like full of colors and glamour and all of a sudden it started getting dark. Everybody's wearing black. People are starting to cheer for the bad guys now. Bad guys are winning all the time, getting away over on everybody. You know, it's just like you can see society just starting to crumble into this black uh, abyss. You know what I mean? People, kids actually cheering, wearing NWO t-shirts. Not know what the you know the real meaning for the New World Order is. Right. And it was um I think it was Eric uh, I forgot his name from WCW there that pushed it was Ted Turner when he brought um the National Wrestling Alliance he brought the rings and uh you know the wrestlers and everything turned into called uh, World Championship Wrestling and um, he injected he's the one who created what Eric Bischoff his name is they created the, um, a faction called the New World Order now to the people of the wrestlers it was just a faction you know what I mean. But they took over the whole wrestling world, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, uh, Ted Turner is a huge globalist. He knows what the New World Order is. He's part of the New World Order. Right. Yeah, he calls for it all the time. And uh, they injected this into the kids' heads and then you know, eventually affected into the WWE and everything else. And uh, it's all over society. And, like, the New World Order is this cool thing. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it's just like all aspects everywhere. I mean, the cartoons or, you know, the entertainment and everything. They just uh, sit there and blatantly say, hey, you know, we're going to enslave you, and it's a cool thing to do it. Then we're going to do it, and you're not even going to realize we're doing it. But we're going to tell you that we're doing it. Yep. Now, what do you think the purpose of, um, the one I show a lot of people when I'm trying to give an example of symbolism, uh, one of the more recent Katy Perry videos um, was called Dark Horse, and she did a live performance where a dark horse came out on stage, and it was the identical dark horse 
and I mean identical, to the one that is a statue at the Denver airport of the Dark Horse of the Apocalypse, or Death. I mean, how much more blatant can you get than that, you know? And her wearing a big old C&I, you know, and just uh, devouring people and everything else, and uh, I mean, the video is just like so, so blatant, the Egyptianology and everything else, and... Uh, yeah, and they, they make it so complex, too, so when people really want to, they're like, well, I want to learn what that's about, but it's so complex that a normal person's just going to say, you know what, because we live in an ADD society, so they're not even going to bother to investigate, well, it's just a conspiracy, and they put their, hands, their heads in the sand by saying that. Now, do you think that's because there's just too much out there, and it's become so complicated, like overly complicated, just well, that, throw everything out there, and it's just a big old mess? That plus, um, you know, then flooding us with all this, you know, people with porn, people with uh, football, um, you know, and the coolest thing, go out to the bar with your buddies. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with going out to see a band, you know, nothing wrong with going to a football game, going to the bar and have a couple of drinks with some buddies, nothing wrong with any of that, you know what I mean? No, that's just living. Yeah, live and have fun, but the thing is, people overzealous that they, they, you know, that's that life. I mean, look at the people when the, the Patriots lost the undefeated season. It was like something, you know, their the wife for, you know, 10 years cheated on them with another guy. I mean, it was just so ridiculous, the, the attitudes of people after that. Well, people's priorities have been skewed. They, they, they've been pushed into this, uh, like, this is your life, this is all you need, the channel all your energies into this, don't worry about anything else other than that. Foot, football is a great example of that. Like, football is your life. That's, you, that's where all your male aggression is being channeled into. Exactly. And, you know, instead of taking time, it's like, we need to take a little time a day. Yeah, enjoy your life, absolutely. I do with my uh, family. We go have fun, go to the beach, whatever. And, but, you know what, it's like, in a, you know, when we got a babysitter for the kid, we'll go out and, you know, get a couple of drinks. And then my girl likes to sing karaoke and all that. But, um, but the other thing is, like, you know, you got to take time out of your life to say, hey, all right, let me look through the papers. Uh, let me, what, that don't sound right. Let me investigate stuff, you know. Let me look up historical stuff, you know. I want to know what my relatives were like, you know, I want to know what the country was like when I, you know, my relatives were here, and, you know, I want to read the Bible for myself other than the pastor telling me lies, you know what I mean, and uh, just stuff like that, you know, and, like, people don't want to do that because they're, they rather take all that time to sit there, like, in one of the jobs they work at, the guys sit there for an hour talking about football and baseball. That's right. Like, I'm like, really? <laughs> Thank you. We got wars going on. We got homeless uh, happening. Uh, the whole thing with ISIS in the Middle East and all that. And But you're sitting here talking about uh, you're pissed off because the Patriots didn't draft uh, the number one pick or whatever, you know? So, like that's even relevant, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, so what? Your team wins the Super Bowl? The next year, it's all forgotten about. <laughs> well, even if they did, what, what did that matter in your life? What did that change? Like, yeah. How, how did that help feed the homeless? That kind of thing. It's like, it's irrelevant. Yeah, it is. Like, go see the movie, enjoy it, you, you got your couple bucks worth, and then, you know, back to real life. Um, my big problem is people just obsess over what, one television show after another, or a movie series, or s sports, whatever it happens to be. I personally call it a modern-day bread and circuses. And they've just bombarded uh, Western society with so much stuff that they've kind of hit on every different kind of person. You know, not everybody's into sports, but then you got your Star Trek people, or, or you got, you know, they're into this, or they're into that, and, you know, The Walking Dead, whatever it happens to be, you know? That's funny, The Walking Dead. I, mean, I was doing uh, Man on the Street for InfoWars during um, uh, Black Friday, 
Right. And she, it was just like, I was telling people, hey, anybody want to watch a live version of The Walking Dead? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, just go to your local uh, uh, stores there, you know, like a Walmart or a Price Rate, whatever. I mean, um, a Best Buy or whatever, you know, you just go there and you can watch it for yourself, you know, you can see The Walking Dead right there. Well, it almost seems like the, we're being bombarded with the whole zombie thing right now, and it almost makes me think that, the zombies aren't dead bodies clawing themselves around. It's it's the general populace. It's the, they're the zombies. It's almost like they're they're uh, the establishment is ridiculing the general populace. It's like you're just a bunch of zombies, mindless zombies, just doing what we're telling you. You're just it's going on autopilot. They like it's, it's like all these zombie movies are it's a bunch of dead bodies. No, but dead people. They're saying it's you. Right. You zombies walking around. Not that you're dead, but you're dead from reality of knowledge. And look at this. Uh, I think it's ASL or whatever it's called. Uh, the Lou Gehrig's disease. Right. One baseball player in Boston, I guess he's a former Red Sox player, whatever, he decided one day, oh, I'm going to do this for ALS. And is that ALS? I, I, think, I think so. Yeah. I'm going to dunk right. ice water all over my head. So now the whole country, you've seen videos over Facebook, YouTube, look, I'm doing this for ALS, dunking ice cold. They have whole fire departments and police departments doing it. People at ball games doing it. I'm like, what? You know, where's this? There's nothing wrong with raising money for a charity, but half the time these charities... They don't. The money doesn't go to these charities. Right, I've they, heard that. Up to the people, a small percentage might, but they all they do is like like the American Cancer Society. They don't help people cancer victims. They say, "Hey, we're going to give you uh, chemotherapy and radiation, and we're going to you know line the pockets of big pharma." They don't. Oh God, that's that's a how many trillion dollars? Or excuse me, how many billion dollars a year? Yeah, and people like, say, "Oh, they're a non-profit, but they're a non-governmental." They they call them NGOs, right? But they're actually, governmental organizations, and uh, they they claim they have nothing to do with the government. They're non-profit, which is hogwash. They are government uh, non-profit organizations that suck the people dry of money, make them feel bad, and not only they're paying to you know something that's not going to help anybody, but they're also these patients living, you know, giving big pharma a living, you know, instead of saying, hey, there's natural ways to cure cancer. There's many ways to cure cancer, but the mainstream media will never tell you that. But, hey, let's go get chemotherapy and radiation and stick you on a bunch of psychotropic drugs and everything else so for the rest of your life you can live off of us. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it's just, it's mind control, you know, and then people don't. That's exactly what it is. For ALS and everything else. Like, where's the same motivation every time uh, a good cop he gets shot in the line of duty. How about uh, a person that gets gunned down unknown by police? You know what I mean? What about a military veteran that comes home and you know, they stick him on the street and he puts him on a terrorist watch list? He can't hold a job and he's living under a tunnel. You know what I mean? Under a, a highway pass. Where's the same motivation for these things? You know what I mean? That's, it's just like people have no priorities. Totally agree. The, the whole thing with the, uh, the military, it seems to me that they... Um they're trying to break these young kids. They're, they're sending them over there for multiple um, tours of duty, which was pretty much unheard of in you know the World War II era and Vietnam and everything. And then they're coming over here and being police officers, but in reality, they're, those guys are snapped. And that's why we're having all this, this police violence, and people, uh, people are finally starting to get wise to that. You're seeing things like cop lock and stuff like that pop up. I think people are finally starting to get that. It's like, hey, man, they're turning them into stormtroopers for the streets, you know? And you can see it, too. I mean, like, there's a lot of police violence going on. I just made a video a little while ago about that. I'm going to release it hopefully tomorrow. Or, you know, definitely next, by the end of tomorrow anyway. But, um, you know, you can see it. People are getting more aggressive. People film their cops. They're yelling at the cops now. They tell them to go F themselves. They're, you know, even saying die cops, die. You know what I mean? Like, people are getting pissed. 
you know, she's going to come to one point, that one, you know, the one straw that's going to break the back. When somebody's, you know, and then just say a kid, like just say, God forbid, a 12 year old kid and two cops are pounding on him. It, that something like that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, and it's going to cause the people to start taking action. And that's why I warn good cops all the time. If you know people like that in your department, I don't care if they're higher-ranking officers or even your captain or chief, you do something to put them, you know, stop them because your lives are going to be on the line when the public has had enough. They're going to start attacking the police departments. Right. Yeah. That's so, it's know, edging towards that. Oh yeah, and it's going to be ramp homeland security's alley because they'll give them justification to use a. Uh, Foreign military troops have been trained here with um, FEMA and all that to come over, you know, pull the plug from martial law. It's scary when you like when you know all the pieces like we do, yeah. and it's like, well, if this happens, then this can happen, and then they'll get this, and it's, and it's, they've got this all pre-planned out. You know, they just they may not have the exact timetable because it depends upon, you know, what event may occur when. But uh, all in all, they've got an idea of where it is they're going to go with all this. Absolutely. Then you get uh, slimy scum like Patrick Lynch. Uh, he was a spokesman for the Patrolmen's uh, Benevolent Association. He gave that speech the other day about the Eric Garner uh, incident. You know, that guy got choked out by the uh, New York Police Department. Right. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, oh, if you resist arrest, you prepare to die. You know, exactly what he's saying. He's trying to justify, oh, he wasn't choked, even though CNN did confirm that uh, the uh, medical examiner did confirm he died from being choked. People said, well, he, uh, he let him go, you know, when they choked him to the ground. But when the other cop put his knee right in his throat, like he's, his face is in the ground, and um, he's got the other cop put his knee when the chokehold was released, they, they put his knee right in his throat. And um, the pol- police commissioner of the New York Police Department stated in the press conference that chokeholds are prohibited to be used by the New York Police Department because they're dangerous. And, um, yeah, Patrick Lynch saying, oh, they, he wasn't choked. That wasn't a chokehold. When the whole free world seen in the video, yeah, that was a blatant choke. That was like a tap-out choke you see in UFC. There's a term I came up with a couple of years ago, and I call it the veneer of society. And basically what I mean by that is there's this real thin coating on top that a good amount of people are still buying, you know, they're drinking the Kool-Aid still. But... It's thin. You scratch it a little bit, and all of a sudden you see the insane uh, chaos that's going really going on. Things like the, the event we just described. And I, I've always been wondering, what is going to be that line? There's going to be one incident that's going to be the, the thing. They're going to scratch right through that, and they're not going to be able to gloss over it anymore. Yeah, I mean, you see, it's going to come soon. And it's either going to be a kid or somebody's mother. Yeah, it's going to be some kind of thing that's going to make it look like it's going to touch the hearts of people, and it's it's not going to be a sad thing. It's going to be an anger thing. Look at the house they raided. You know, SWAT team, I forgot what town it was. Uh, They raided the wrong house. The the house they were supposed to raid was two blocks away, and they uh, smashed the two little kids in the face with the butts of their guns, and one cop said, oh, the kid ran into my gun. So you have your butt, you have your gun out, the kid's going to run into it and cause that much damage. Yeah, I mean, it's just like on and on. And you got the CHP California Highway Patrol beats a uh, woman on the highway. And um, the cops uh, choke, put chokeholds and tase an unresponsive deaf man. You know, it's just like, I mean, the police state is insane, insane, man. And it's like, you know, it's not, you know, not going to stop if the people actually start taking action. And the best weapon against the police like that is a video camera, especially because you know, it has the ability to stream live. 
and help make these people held accountable. And I always say, right on, I know people call me extreme all they want. Every state needs the citizens. I'm not talking about the National Guard or anybody else. The citizens need to form a well-regulated militia under the Second Amendment. They need to do this to make these people hold accountable, put these cops in their own handcuffs if the authorities don't do nothing about it. Now, I'm not saying go shoot up anything. You know, I'm not calling for violence. But under the Constitution, we have a right to defend ourselves and form a well-regulated militia. Because if they, you know, the Constitution Declaration of Independence says if the, you know, our state or government's not doing their job, it's up to the people to do the job for them and, uh, and appoint new gods for our future. And uh, the people, uh, I hate to say it, but they come, it's the time now we have to do that. We have to form a well-regulated militia. And, I'm, and people who go around torching cars and writing, that's just stupid. Why go burn up your neighborhood because a uh, cop? You know? Right. Yeah, you're just ju- giving them justification to come in and spray everybody. But half the time, these riots are caused by provocateurs, like the World Trade Organization meeting in 2010. It was, um, I think it was San Diego. It was San Diego police were caught. They, they were caught instigating a riot, and they had black uniforms on, with masks on. They all had the same boots. They were police department. The they police were, department, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. They caused a riot. Then they went in afterwards. When people were uh, causing a riot, the cops did nothing. When these guys left, that's when the cops came in and started you know, attacking innocent people, store owners, cleaning up the glass from the shop, attacking them, attacking the media and the press. I mean, like... And and after you know, I'm sure this um, riot that took place in Missouri, you know, after that kid that you know was shot down, 17 year old going to his grandmother's house, unarmed cops, two two o'clock in the afternoon just gunned them down, and it caused a big uh, riot. People were saying kill the police and everything else, and uh, and a riot took place. I'm sure it was most likely a provocateur event. You know, I mean, just so the police had justification to go around spraying everybody. Well, it seems like they're always doing something or another to to justify the next... I mean, it's baby steps, but they're still taking steps forward to, to really crack down and have an actual police state. Yeah. And then and you can tell, too, because when sometimes these cops are doing really horrible things, like we've been talking about, they let them get away with it. Like There's no there's no repercussions. Absolutely. And we've seen that all over the place. And, uh, you know, it's just like people need to wake up, you know, start taking action. You know what I mean? And... Uh, yeah, I'm not saying shooting and uh, nothing like that, but, you know, you have video cameras and, you know, being bold and standing up against these people. Because if the police see uh, about 50 people in your neighborhood stand up and say, hey, no, we're not moving. You know, you wrongfully did what you did, and we're going to make you held accountable. And 50 people got video cameras, hey, <laughs> it's not too much the police have got to do about that. Well, I think this is the uh, the best solution is not to be trying to tackle the pyramid from the top down, but from the everyone has to do it from their home level. You need You need to be friends with your police department and everyone that's you know in offices and all that you need to start at the absolute ground level and if you got bad people there you need to get them out you need to put the right people in, in into these uh, offices so that you're moving in the right direction so this way if, if bad orders come down from on high they're not going to follow them but if you let these people who are already corrupted or bought off or whatever well they're just going to go right along with the program so we need I think true activism needs to start like at the base level it does, and there's an old saying, uh, you destroy the foundation, the rest will come tumbling down. Right, because everybody wants to attack whomever the president is in the, in the, at the time or, or the high-end senators. It's like, that doesn't matter. You, you're not going to touch them. No. 
because you, 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 you can barely get close to them. Just like you said, you had to fight to get close just to Bill Clinton, who hadn't even been president in years, and it was hard. Yeah. But you, what about your mayor? What about your police chief? What about those people? What about these guys who are out walking the street? Well, if, if they've got severe PTSD and they're doing violent things on a regular basis, they should not be law enforcement officials. Sorry. I'm sorry. You shouldn't be. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the politicians, they literally think that God, you know, they pass bills that are, well, 11, 12 at night on a Sunday when everybody's just going to bed from a football game uh, to get up, you know, go to bed for work in the morning, and they, they push these bills through overnight. Oh, nobody was here to challenge it. You know, the town hall meetings, uh, nobody came to challenge it. And, of course not, because you do it off, like off a business night, you know, when everybody's sleeping, and that's how you, you know, you know wrongfully push these bills through. Right, and then they're getting away with it because no one is challenging anything even afterwards. They're just, well, that's what happened. Yeah. And you people say, well, that, well, I talk to people about stuff. The biggest is they go, oh, what do you got to do? You know, like, what do you mean, what do we got to do? Edmund Burke says uh, the only thing evil needs to succeed is for good men to do nothing. Right. And that's why we have to start on the local level. It's like, no, you know what? Me by myself is not going to get the president replaced. But, what about the town I live in? Yeah, get your town in, informed, get them on the right road. Another town's going to join suit, and you know, and all of a sudden your right. state does, exactly. and it's going to trickle from there. Look, look how many states will win against Obamacare. Surely, figure you know out what I mean? kind of scam that really is. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. And people, oh, I'm a Democrat, so I have to support. That's a ridiculous Obama. statement. No, you don't. You know? Yeah, it is. Because I, I know people. I didn't know someone told you how to think. Is that what you're telling me? You don't think for yourself. You just do what you're told. Exactly. And I know people personally do that. Well, I, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. I have to. No, you don't have to. Just because you're a Republican Democrat, you still have the liberty of making your own choices. I'm independent, but if I like a Democrat, I'll vote for him. If I like a Republican, I'm going to vote for him. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just that's the way it is. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the way everybody should be. You shouldn't have to go by what your president says. Well, you're elected, you know, leader of your party. You know, you should go by what you think, and most of all, what the Constitution has to say about it. There you go. What a crazy idea. Let's follow the Constitution instead of politicians. Yeah. But you know, I'm a diehard liberal. I'm a diehard conservative, and these people don't really understand. Well, today's uh, meaning of liberal and conservative is not what liberal and conservatives are. A real liberal is Thomas Jefferson. A real conservative right. was George Washington. Those people are real liberals and conservatives. Today's version is a joke. It basically means Nazism. That's all it means. Now, why do you think people are, are blindly following like that? And, and in addition to that, do you think people are too conditioned to do nothing? That, that they really are? I mean... I, I, you always hear the term sheeple because people are just following along with the herd. <laughs> do you think I know right? And do you think that um, what we're saying about activism on local level? Do you think do you think that the elite have done such a good job of dumbing everything down between all the poisons they throw at at everyone and uh, the stupidity of the television brainwashing? Oh, I mean, do you really think that there's hope for this? I think there is hope. Um, Matt George uh, you know, proved that. I mean, years ago he announced, you know, when social media started coming about, the internet and all that for the people, he said that it's going to be the new media. And they all laughed at him, they ridiculed him, they ran him to the ground. He went off and started the Drudge Report. And lo and behold, if you look at the Alexa rating, it's the number one in the entire world, the number one news source on, on the internet. Oh, yeah, Matt Drudge 
yeah. is the news internet source. You know, he 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 did it. He proved the world wrong. I mean, look what happens now. Now, if uh, just say in your neighborhood, right? Uh, I don't know, you you guys were all at the bus terminal or some public event or in the park or something. All the town was there doing something. Everybody's got the cameras now. If some guy came over and started opening fire and a bunch of events took place, all you guys got that on film. Now, if the media comes over, you know, mainstream media, all oh, this happened, blah blah blah, which wasn't even the truth. There's got to be about uh, 50 people who are going to post the YouTube videos and say, no, this is what really happened. And, of course, the people are going to look at the both. Oh, my God, they're right, you know. Then it just, like, trickles down from there. And you, you can see the, and the reason why I said we're having a victory for it. I think we, you know, we're going to turn things around. Because the mainstream media, on record, on the other ratings and all that, it's proven that they're dying. That's why they're called the dinosaur media. Right. Dying. They're dying, and um, the ratings show it. If it wasn't for the banker bailouts, the corporate sponsors, they would be dead in the water. Alternative media is is phenomenally rising. I mean, you got Infowars.com, I mean, like uh, Drudge Report and all that. You know, the, the top two uh, alternative media you know sources in the world. I mean, Infowars alone, uh, we got uh, over six times the amount of MSNBC, CNN, and Fox combined on a worldwide scale. You know what I mean? And um, that's just Infowars. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and it's just getting bigger every day. And, uh, you know, it's showing that, hey, you know, like um, Rhode Island here, um, that senator told me to go after myself, his camera guy, he worked for uh, this uh, idiot, Steve Alquist, he writes a blog in um, some Rhode Island newspaper. But they both told him, oh, it's InfoWars, don't worry about it, they're a joke, they're nothing. They're <laughs> website. So he told him, all cocky, smiling, go after myself. And all of a sudden, you know, 12 hours later, his face is all over every national network, TV, newspaper, even all in some countries, too. He was all over the place and getting ridiculed by people from all over the country for his anti-constitutional comment. Well, that's part of the lie, though, Dan, is that they try to um, portray that sites like InfoWars and Drudge don't matter. That's that's the mainstream media lie. It's like, look, we've got the million dollar sets and all the you know all the glitz and glamour. We're the we're the real thing. Those are jokes. And but the reality is, it's the other way around. Oh yeah, and when I go to the state house now, I'm there frequently. Now half the media guys don't even dare even look at me right. I mean, they, because they know and the politicians, a lot of them shake my hand now, and the other ones that don't like me, they just don't bother me at all. And because they know, hey, if we want to say it's a joke now, we just put one of your senators all over the nation's papers and TV stations. So, like, I mean, I'm getting more respect. The last uh, hearing I went to, I was testifying, they uh, raised about seven draconian bills, anti-gun bills. And uh, last year they tried to push one. I was a big part of that to stop that. Um, Chris Hayes on CNN even pointed that out. I interrupted the meet, uh, press conference, which I gave them real facts and shut the whole thing down. They didn't pass the, uh, the bill that was after Sandy Hook. And this year, they tried to pose seven of, uh, six or seven bills. I was there, every one of them, to uh, testify against them. And, uh, the, you know, the senators and uh, the, the representatives and such that wore four guns, they all shake my hands now because I come in there, I hit them hardcore with stats, you know, proof and that, that can't not be debated. And these people look like fools. They look like fools sitting up there to try to say, oh, well, you know, we want you know, no more than 10 rounds. When cops come and say, we need more than 10 rounds. You know what I mean? And uh, I talk to cops all the time. And uh, cops say that that would be the stupidest things to limit to 10 or less rounds. Because, on the, you know, on the target range, you get 40 out of 40. But under the stress of combat, you're lucky to get one or two shots out of a 16-round magazine. Oh, sure, because your entire brain, you know, your uh, point of view is just 
skewed. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the criminals, they're not going to abide by the laws. They're going to have 32-round magazines, and you got a 10-round magazine, you know? Well, that's what the whole gun-grabbing thing always, like, irritated me. It's like, criminals aren't going to listen. <laughs> it's, you know, the only people you're taking guns away from are law-abiding citizens who want to protect themselves. Criminals are going to have guns whether you say so or not, Mr. Liberal. And that was my biggest question. My one main question I try to ask everybody, nobody can answer that. I said, how does gun control take guns out of hands of criminals? When all the bill, all says in the bill is about taxing or limiting what citizens could have. It says nothing about criminals. And they could not answer that. You know, they, they, well, yeah, what's the definition of a criminal? A lawbreaker. So they're not going to obey the law, are they? Yes, that, and I went up to him. I was complaining. I said, sir, ma'am, you know, I shook their hand. The employee, and what they do is they get defensive. And they start snarling at you because they can't answer that question. Well, they're so used to the uh, controlled media asking the baby yeah. questions that are, have already been pre-scripted. They're not expecting someone who actually has several brain cells rubbed together, unlike most of the paid-off media. You know, it's like, hey, wait a second, this person can actually think. Yeah, it was, like, <laughs> it was great in Boston. They called the press conference, and uh, I got the first question out, and they shut the press conference down because of that. <laughs> what was your first question? About the false flag there. Awesome. And, uh, that, that, that was great. Yeah, and I get the first question right up. Because in that, I mean, it's, you don't raise your hand in those press conferences. You gotta, you know, I mean, you gotta be on top of your game. I, what I did was I, I um, paid attention. They said, who's gonna speak, blah, blah, blah. So I knew after that one guy was speaking, I, you know, kind of, uh, you say that, like a box, telegraphed it. Um, right when he got done speaking, I shot out that question. And uh, the woman, uh, she come down and said, press conference is over. The last one, too, you know, and, with the FBI and all that, with the pictures, and uh, they, they shut that down real quick. I mean, you should see the looks on those people's faces. Oh, my God. You know, there's somebody that can see, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know. So did the uh, did the establishment look like, hey, they actually knew what was going on, and you threw that question out there, and, and it was almost like, look, like, oh, the game is up. Most of them look like deers in the headlights, and the, the top-level people, they they look like they want, if the looks could kill, I would have been dead right there. Right, so they they knew. Oh yeah, they knew. They know what's going on. Yeah, I mean he he like he gave me the the, the rock eye, you know, the, the people's eye. Uh huh. Stink guy there because like he don't he, he don't want to. That's why he just says no. Next question. Yeah, I totally trying to avoid that question. Which which they were valid, you know. Right. Now, as a result of you doing these um, those really big ones, you got in on. Have you had repercussions of that? Like, have, is, did anything happen afterwards? Oh, just, um, you know, my talk shows and somebody calls and, and, you know, gives me a death threat, you know, all kinds of, uh, got a lot of ridicule within even my own family, you know, and went through hell, basically. Why? Like, what you were asking were very legitimate things. Yeah, I got called un-American, even though I'm, you know, trying to save this damn country, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, it's... Right from my, you know, a lot of my friends and uh, a lot of my uh, family, you know, they basically turned against me. Thought I was an embarrassment to the family and everything else. And, you know, because they didn't know the ramifications of what was really going on, how they were going to target the Patriot groups. You know, the, um, the Tassaran brothers, they were the last resort. They were plan C, sort of. You know, they were going after the target of the Patriot groups. That's why what we did what we did. And Alex stood up there all day the next day, you know, explaining how they're going to, um, you know, go after the Patriot groups. And all of a sudden, the FBI cancels the second, pre- the, yeah, it was the third press conference. They canceled it. They postponed it to the next day because they had <laughs> they had to come up with a plan C. You know, I mean, and they came up with the Tassaran brothers and, um, 
Yeah, which was just a bunch of hogwash. But I mean, like it's just like, yeah, I, I did. I went through a lot of personal hell. You know what I mean? And you know, it, it was like it got ugly. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. That uh, you you had to experience that for doing the right thing. You know? Yeah, I mean, I am glad it's all over with now. It's just like uh, my girlfriend's parents. I mean, they make it real tough. I was living with them, and they threw me out, and uh, and you know, at the time, got a restraining order on me, and got to dropped eventually. But they caused a lot of problems between me and her. We're working things out now, and everything's fine now. But it's just like a lot of pers- things on a personal level, and um, you know, it's like all kinds of other stuff that went on, and uh, you know, I mean, but the thing is, I knew, uh, you know, once you uh, punch the new world order in the face, which we did, you know, and um, I, I knew there was going to be some serious repercussions on a spiritual and physical level. And um, I was like, you know, I'm just going to ride out the storm and, um, you know, just keep going at it. And things are looking a lot better now, you know, getting a lot better now and all that. And So that's where, you know, you got to look at it. And it was a weird feeling. Uh, it's like um, on my way up there when uh, I got the call because I, I, I was sleeping. I slept late that day. And uh, John Baum called me. Him and Alex Jones were on the phone and said, hey, well, how far are you from Boston? I was like about 40 minutes. He goes, you hear about the Boston? I was like, no. And um, he goes, well, could you get up there? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, get in the car, I'll fill you in what's going on. So I'm driving in. I had no, no idea what the hell, was, you know, what we didn't happen. I just knew about bombs. But I had this weird feeling that was like something historical was going to happen. Yeah, something that I, I couldn't even explain or felt. You know, um, it just, it was, it was like a more of a divine uh, type thing. You know what I mean? And, uh, you were walking into a history, historical moment. Yeah, and I didn't know what it was. I mean, I felt the presence of God there, and, you know, especially it being in the midst of that evil in that place, man, and uh, with those people there. But, I mean, it's just like it was an indescribable feeling that you knew this was um, perpetuated of everything you did in life. This is the moment of, you know, the grand finale, sort of. Well... You certainly have my respect for everything you've done. Okay. Uh, that was that was one of the first things I've seen of you. Uh, what was that that press conference? So yeah, and she's getting you know getting the questions out. You know, local fifteen news. You know, they said hey, there was uh, announcements made about the bombs going off, and uh, Boston Globe tweeted over three thousand times. People say, oh no, that was proven wrong. No, it wasn't proven wrong. Three thousand people retweeted it. They even we had uh, screenshots of info was they took early in the morning screenshots of the tweet. Of about the bomb drills being done at the same two locations of where the bombs went off, and not to mention the police radio people recorded the uh, the radio and the police about the bomb drills early in the morning, to maintain radio silence and everything else. And all it was all the makings of a fault. It was either one of two things, okay? It was a false flag, which I really think it was, or it was a drill going badly wrong. Yeah, I could see either one, actually. You're right. Then they want us to believe that uh, this uh, guy um, in the wheelchair, I forgot his name there, uh, got his legs blown off. He had about six, seven people between him and the bomb, but his legs got blown off. And he's being, Crisis actor. Yep. And he's being carted away, and anybody knows that, hey, when you get your legs blown off, there's four major arteries, two in each leg, and you don't put him in the wheelchair. You know, you, you um, within a minute or two, the person always passes out, and within four or five minutes, they could end up dead most of the time. Uh, but what they did is they put him in a wheelchair, and you can see one of the tourniquets just came right off, but there was no blood anyway. There was no blood squaring out or nothing. And this guy, and, um, anybody knows anything about EMT, once you get your legs cut off, you got to put them in a gurney, elevate the legs, and put tourniquets on them, and get them to the hospital ASAP. Why was he sitting there in a the wheelchair 
and they they intended to six other people first before they got to him. And he's sitting yeah, there all the time, just, just sitting there, no no emotions on the face. If that was me, I'd be screaming my head off. There would be blood everywhere, even with tourniquets. There would be blood squirting out like a sieve. Oh, absolutely. No blood on the ground, no trail. And the woman that laid on top of him, she was a black woman with a red dress, and the front of it was all white. She gets up, there's no no blood on him, not one drop of blood. And you can see the other guy pulling his legs off. And you know, then she decides to jump inside that pool of fake blood. And I'm not saying that if there was no real uh, injuries or not. I'm not sure. I mean, I can't say it wasn't. But that whole thing of uh, Jeff Bowman, that's his name. Jeff Bowman getting his uh, legs blown off. That is completely hogwash. Has that ever been followed up on? Did anyone, like, look to see who that person was? Um, uh, there's a couple of people that did. And, um, I mean, I haven't confirmed it, but they believe he's this guy. I forgot his, they, his real name. He got his legs blown off in 2011 in Afghanistan. And he's got pictures of him at different places and even the crisis events, you know, acting events. Right, so he really was a crisis actor. Yeah. It, it looks like. Yeah, and then he gets all this uh, glory now and he goes around signing books. He's, the guy's a millionaire now. Goes around signing books. Everybody's like, oh, Jeff Bowman, you're a hero. You know, and, uh, but I'm waiting for him to come around here because I want to actually go confront him and see his reaction to that. <laughs> and that sounds like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> What do you have on the horizon? Like, what do you have coming up? Well, right now, it's, um, you know, getting, you know, trying to land a good spot for my radio show. And I've um, been doing a couple of networks and uh, talked with uh, Freedomizer Radio. She's having a lot of technical problems with that. And um, also trying to just do it on my own, too, right now. And uh, we're getting, grouping together with a bunch of other shows. And we're going to actually create our own network and everything. And uh, just try to get this moving, you know. And try because I want to, my goal is to do it for, you know, a living. The radio show and having like a, like a nightly news show almost and reports every night and you know other shows with other reports and stuff and touching on different things as well and my thing is uh, my show want to be like a mix of you know based Alex Jones and Coast to Coast you know what I mean? now you're trying to tie that in with Infowars or separate um I would like to tie it in Infowars and uh you know eventually uh, Infowars they want to grow you know what I mean on Infowars network and, you know be more than just the Alex Jones show and I would love to do a show for Infowars you know. Yeah, isn't his idea basically to start an actual, like, uh, television network, so it would yeah. be more like a variety of different people hosting various yeah. Yeah. reality shows, basically? That's his goal, and uh, if you see the new studios, uh, it's amazing. It costs a lot. I've heard him talk about it. Yeah, it costs a lot of money for that, and uh, I'm supposed to fly down there soon, hopefully. <laughs> Alex wants me to come down for a few weeks and, uh, you know, check out the studio, do some more parts and all that. So that'd be interesting to see everybody again. And, you know, they're great people, though. I'll tell you, like, never worked around bunch of uh, awesome people. I mean, they're second to none with everything. And editing to the, the producing. When I was down there, I, I mean, I wasn't just a reporter. I was a producer, a cameraman, a mainly news host. I mean, just like, you're all over the spectrum down there. You wear more than one hat when you work for InfoWars. That sounds fantastic. We had, uh, you know, one reporter, he was there for a short time. He worked for mainstream media. And, you know, he was surprised. Oh, I got to do my own editing. I got to do this. I got to do that. Like you're like yeah, <laughs> you know you got to wear more than one hat. You don't just sit there in front of the camera and be all um, you know famous like the mainstream media reporters. You know. Well, no, I'm assuming it's still, despite how much uh, he's grown the network over the years, it's still almost like a mom and pop kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean you're busy. I mean you, I got in there about the reporters got in about eleven o'clock or so, eleven twelve o'clock. I would get in there about eight o'clock in the morning because I was a producer for Alex's show. We get in there, print up all the news. Uh, me, CJ, and um, Chris, and at the time he was there, and uh, Wes, and all that. We get in there, and John Bone, 
print up all the news, get the, um, the news pieces together, all the stuff we need to put in the TriCast and all that. And uh, I sort out the news on Alex's desk for him, put him in different categories, and uh, and he would call us up ahead of time and say, hey, Dan, uh, premiere uh, this, this, and that. And during the show, it was pretty interesting because I was kept the same mind front mind frame is Alex, so when he was starting to talk about fluoride, I would already be in the computer pulling up the documents from Harvard University and, uh, or if he's talking about FEMA camps, I'd pull up the Army documents and everything else, and even before he got to say it, I would have them on the screen for him, and uh, you know, it, it was it was fun because it was like a team thing, you know, and uh, the thing is, whoever's hosting, whether it be Alex, me, or whoever, the thing is, whoever's producing, your job is to back them up 100%. If Alex is saying, like, oh, uh, the floor is bad for you, your job is to prove on the screen that he's telling the truth. Right, so the idea is we're discussing a subject, and then you're showing the documents. It's like, hey, I'm not I'm not BSing here. This is this is where it comes from. Here's my proof. Yep. And we did that on the nightly news and everything else. And, um, you know, it was a good time. Everybody, all those guys and girls down there, they're amazing people, and... Yeah, that, that amount of time I was down there, it was like we were like a family. You know what I mean? Like, well, actually, we were all family, and uh, I still talk to them all the time, and I had all of them on my show at one point, and, uh, you know, just good people, and, uh, you know, just like, we because we've been in the trenches together, so it's like a brotherhood, you know? That's really awesome to hear. What would you have to say, um, hopefully this isn't too sensitive of a question, a lot of people attack Alex, especially other media people. Yeah. E- even alternative media, and um, I don't get involved with stuff like that. That's... This isn't a personal thing. This is about getting information out there. But what would you, since you've been there, what would you say to people who say he's? And I hear the most ridic- I have heard the most ridiculous things about Alex. It's just like I'm pretty sure he's just a guy. Oh yeah, I got all wild. That rumors. Oh, he's Illuminati. He's a uh, a just. He's a uh, he's a uh, uh, Zionist. I'm like, if you even spent a day with the guy, you would feel like such a retard for even thinking that stuff. And uh. You know what I mean? And, uh, these well, people the bottom are, line, when they say is that he's he's bought and paid for, that he's he's serving the system, like to take yeah. all the silly parts out of it. Just like, opposition, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't know if there's any justification for that. People say he omits certain things. I don't know. I hear. I mean, I listen quite often just because it's an easy place to get news from. I don't know where they're coming from on that. Oh, is uh, Alex a bit overdramatic at times. Yes, that's his thing. And the thing is, when you're hosting a show all the time, and like before a show, after a show, he's doing other shows on uh, news things and everything else. It's just so much work that guy does, and and it gets overwhelming when you get all the stuff coming at you. And the, the thing is, with info wise, I mean, you don't got just the local news. You know, I mean, you got the worldwide news coming at you, and you know, you got to sort through every day. We get like thousands. Rob do show me the emails when people submit tips in. People say, oh, I submit these in, in, and I never get a response. But he showed me why. Literally every day, over ten thousand. Oh, it's got to be a gazillions. Oh, yeah. And uh, thousands of emails a day with tips and all that. And there's, like, only so much you can go through. And uh, it's just overwhelming. And uh, Alex, I mean, he, get, he gets fired up, you know, and you can't help him help it, you know, because, it's like, you know, you see all the stuff on uh, mass scale. It's, like, it's hard not to get fired up about it. No, that's understandable. Plus, he's making it up as he goes along. It's not like he's working for a company that's got guidelines. He's yeah. just... Pushing and pushing and pushing. This is the way I see it, anyway. It seems to me he is trying to grow that organization every year. And if I always say, "Hey, man, if you don't like his style, at least he's he's waking people up and he's getting info out there." Is he perfect? Of course not. Who is? Exactly. And to answer your question earlier, you know, the people who hate on him, mainstream and alternative, one, it's jealously, and two, they, you know, the people on uh, the alternative media, they don't realize Alex Jones. Okay, Alex Jones and Matt Drudge, they're the ones who created alternative media. Judge created and uh, Alex Jones brought it to a whole new level. 
and everybody, even people don't like him, couldn't actually agree to that. But the thing is, in fighting like that, or you're just you're just destroying yourself because nobody. It's hard enough to swallow. These are people in the alternative media going to listen to that. Don't don't like Alex Jones. It's hard enough for the public to swallow this red pill, let alone seeing people on the, uh, on the same team fighting with each other. Right. So if you got disagreements with each other, you know, keep it to a personal level. But you know what? You know, when a push comes to shove, if it wasn't for Alex Jones, alternative media wouldn't be where it is today. So, I mean, like, and, you know, again, nobody's perfect either. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. Alex makes mistakes. But we don't admit it. Say, hey, you know, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And, um, that, you know, because we're not perfect. So, but, I mean, people, I think most of the time is just hating because they get involved with radio and all that and all of a sudden they want all the money and, and it's not about the money, it's like Alex, like, you know, he uses, he utilizes every cent of that money that comes into the store, through the donations, everything and he puts it to use and if anybody actually seen the studio, he's got thousands of square feet and uh, every bit of that money goes right into the operation you know what I mean? I mean that we got the best cameras and like always updating equipment and uh, building new studios, getting reporters out to place. I'm mean, just to send a reporter out, like what they do with Jakari and um, I think it was John Bowden went out to California for the radio system. It costed them uh, about seven thousand dollars just to go to three locations. That's just the travel fees, not counting the hotels and nothing else. So right, and this isn't corporate sponsored anything. Yeah. So. So people need to understand that. Well, why is he always plugging this and that? Because you know what? You need money to f- operate the uh, foundation, you know? I mean, the operation. Yeah, that's the way I always took it. I, I always thought the best thing for Alex, since he has a style that not everybody gets along with, because, like I said, he can be overly dramatic. That's just the way he is. That, that to me, seems like that's his personality. So have multiple shows. Have people like um, David Knight, who's got that real straightforward, like, I'm a 60s announcer kind of voice, you know, like real straight-laced. For the people who who that's the way they need to digest this information, because at the uh, the bottom line with all this is it's about the information, it's about getting the truth out there. Well, it is, and uh, I mean everybody in Infowars has got their own unique style, which makes the good team. You know, because if everybody was the same, you know, you know I mean, like a yeah, like a baseball basketball team, if it was all full of Michael Jordans, they would have won nothing. You know, what I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody needs their own individual talent to make a perfect formula for a championship team, and. You know, again, David Knight, he knows how to stick it to people without getting aggressive about it. You know, Jakari's, like, got a great voice, and um, he's just, like, fluent. And uh, Leah McAdam, she's just amazing. He has a female reporter and all that. And, uh, you know, the other guys, too, John Bowne and uh, Darren McBreen, when he hosts Darren's, like, awesome on the news. I mean, he, he makes the for his nightly news, I think. And, uh, and Rob Dew, I mean, he, he's just, you know, incredible, his stuff. And, uh you know, it's like, well, everybody, you know, Paul Joseph Watson, I mean, that guy is great. You know, he's he's from the UK and all that, and he covers all stuff out of that area. And, and I cover stuff from New England here, and uh, you got Mark Dace went to the Wild doing reports in California for us. And Yeah, I like Mark, too. Yeah, and it, it's funny when his uh, petition reports, the, that's creative. <laughs> it's like, oh, sign this, and uh, so Obamacare can come in your house and confiscate everything or whatever, you know. <laughs> that's eye-opening, though. Like, that... I've heard Mark do a lot of those man-on-the-street kind of things. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, the bottom line is it's sad that, oh, my God, I can't believe people are falling for this. You got to check his videos out of uh, Black Friday. He's driving around bullhorning everybody. <laughs> I didn't see those. I've seen a lot of his petition ones where he's uh, um, just asking for various things. Oh, it's great. You're all a bunch of zombies buying uh, Chinese slaves good while people going hungry. You stand out in the cold for four hours when you can't stand an hour, uh, hour in line to go to work. <laughs> 
but it's hilarious, <laughs> man. Like he's like really good like that. Now, what do you make of all the uh, the crazier things that um, Alex and Mark and them are into, like Alex breaking into uh, Bohemian Grove and all that? Because I've looked into that stuff too, and it seems that that's really direct evidence that the elite are just some, into some really creepy stuff. I think that was awesome. I think that's what really one of the things that really catapulted Alex into the you know where he is today is the Bohemian Grove. That, see, that's what I think, too. And then when he confronted Mr. Gergen, and you could tell by the look on his <laughs> face, that he was just a tiny bit uncomfortable about having such a thing being brought out in public. Then the FBI agents down in uh, Waco there, they were basically sitting there and mocking the whole uh, Waco incident. What? Front, front of the FBI agents, so it was good. I, what I really think is happening into, into, with modern society is, I don't think, as I call them, the creepy old men, the old old money... I don't think they foresaw the way the technology is going, because even though they're using it to manipulate us, I don't think they understood the repercussions of what the Internet is. Oh, no. I mean, they they developed and created it for their diabolical purposes, no doubt. But the thing is, we're using a system against them, and it's going out of control right now. That's why they're trying to come up with the Internet kill switch, and uh, and people you know, on government levels say there's another, there's another Internet that they're using. And But the thing is... Even if they shut this down, there's still ways people are going to get on the Internet, still ways that they're going to get the information out. I mean, with, when they created the Internet for the people, you know, they, they created it to one, for one purpose, is to know what you're doing and for control. But people have, you know, turned it around to use it against them. Well, sure. Then we're using it for mass communication just like they do. It's like, oh, I can take this picture that I took, and now everyone on planet Earth can see it. And here's a good example. Uh, during Fukushima, now the United States government moved in to help them out. But not physically. What they did was they killed any social network. Anybody from in the Japan area could not access anything on the Internet that was a social network. In other words, because they don't want the people uploading videos of what was really going on. Right. And it's obviously a lot worse than they've ever made it out to be. Exactly. Now, if all you know, the people in Japan upload these videos constantly, the mainstream media will look like a bunch of dumbasses, which they are. And you know, EPA won't say radiation is good for you. You know, it's like in how they want to downplay everything, justify everything, and uh, switch it around and say, oh, radiation is good for you. But, you know, I'm not telling you the high levels of radiation all over the West Coast right now. And even over here on the East Coast, isotopes in uh, different areas, you know, right here in Massachusetts and everything else. Oh, God, it's it's going insane. And it's only going to get worse because there's really nothing they can do about it. Oh, point. no, and the Tempco, you know, they they. Instead of plugging up, sealing off the whole area, they wanted to save money to try to uh, re, you know, keep the thing, you know, without uh, keep the reactors without uh, sealing them up. So they, you know, of course, the radiation still flood into the ocean. They don't care because they just want to save money. That's going to have very long-lasting repercussions. And I mean, it makes Chernobyl look like a walk in the park. Yeah, exactly. And people think that's all over, but still, I mean, radiation levels are dramatically increasing. You got uh, fish with uh, tumors on them, some weird genetic morph fish out there, and, you know, it's the ramifications. And it's not even to count with uh, Monsanto putting into the ocean, cloned fish and everything else. And uh, with the radiation, God knows what's going to happen. You're going to have sea creatures and, right. you know, all kinds of crazy genetic mutated uh, organisms. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to start destroying the natural ecosystem. It's taking chunks out of it, you know, one one event and the next and the next and the next, and pretty soon it's going to be like, what's left? Yeah, just like the bees. I mean, they're starting to become extinct. Yeah, that's that's dangerous, to say the least. 
Yeah, people know it's just a bee they're pests anyway, but, you know, they can't pollinate the plants. I mean, they're going to have to buy pollination to grow stuff. I mean, like, and, 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 you know, out in the open, you know, I mean, you know, bees need to be there to pollinate things. It's the circle of nature there. That's right. No, it's the whole circle of life, and people just don't understand. There's this great big cycle that goes on, and you can't disrupt one cog in that wheel, you know. that's That has repercussions. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's just like you see all this going around in the mainstream media. Yeah, they're, they're still reaching out to a lot of people, keeping a lot of people asleep, you know. But the thing is, overall, we're having a great effect. You know, we're waking people up about Monsanto, about the stuff, the GMOs and everything else, too. And peep, that's why a big, uh, like, a... Uh, a proposition 37 I think it was in California I believe so yeah you know basically um, demanding Monsanto label your foods you know whole foods say hey if it's a GMO put it on a uh, label you know which is uh, all the country people are actually aware of that now even people who don't don't even uh, tune into alternative media uh, people who eat healthy know that GMO food's bad and, um, now they're aware of high fructose corn syrup which has now been relabeled as corn sugar which is and um, do you remember the commercials he did a few years ago to to try and just brainwash people into thinking? Oh that yeah, nothing the wrong with it? doesn't know the difference. Yeah, yeah, blatant the, lies. Then uh, aspartame they rebranded as uh, amino sweet. Right. Yep, I saw that too. Same different name, but I mean, you start to see the companies like uh, I used to get this chocolate milk. Right on the thing says no high fructose corn syrup. Right on, you know, big bold print because people are becoming aware of that. And uh, yeah, you see that more and more, thankfully. Yeah. Even Heinz ketchup, they saw particular ketchup that's well natural, no high fructose corn syrup, and you know people are starting to become aware of this, and they're you know writing to the uh, product companies and all that, say, hey, we don't want this stuff. Like Whole Foods, I mean, Whole Foods is Whole Foods. They should have nothing in that store that's GMO. They do though. Uh, yeah. they're getting better about it. Yeah, and, and this is the the thing with all that. I mean, we have to vote with our dollars, as the statement goes. You know, and I like that. I like. I like the meaning behind that. These companies will do what we want if we stop buying their products. Like, hey, we'll buy your ketchup, take the high fructose corn syrup out. Absolutely. And uh, it's just like, you know, again, the ma- mainstream media has fallen. You know, us alternative media, we're just on the rise. I mean, we got, thankfully, we got a lot of shows popping up. But yeah, you do got um, some shows and such. Like, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't want to mention their names. Something, something Max.com. I mean, they're the ones who were saying, uh, yeah, this woman on there, she claimed to be a, uh, symbologist or whatever. She's pointing things out in the Climbing Monday pictures. Oh, this here forms a triangle. So that proves right there he's a woman. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> if you watch it, you're just like, wow, she just like kills it for everybody. And uh, the whole website there, and uh, it's like, his Climbing Bundy was standing, um, I guess, uh, the way the land was structured, where the camera angle looked, it looked like a little triangle, but it wasn't. And I'm like, they're using all these stupid things that have nothing to do with that. And, uh, well, it's either somebody just taking the stuff too far and being yeah, like, paranoid, it, or they're disinformation just to, to cloud the issues. Yeah, and these people just going off with their tangents, and I'm like, oh, my God. No wonder why people think we're a bunch of lunatics. <laughs> right, and it's like, no, we're not crazy. We're, our eyes are open. And, you know, and most of the things besides maybe 9-11... It's documented. Like they, they say these things. Like just the simple crap that uh, David Rockefeller has said. You know about if the uh, allegation against my family is to you know against the United States to start a one world government is you know I, I stand guilty as charged. That's his words. You know that is quote about the mainstream media of them keeping the quit keeping quiet for forty years or something to that effect. 
And if yeah, if it wasn't for that concealment, we wouldn't go away with half the stuff we got away with. Yeah, I mean, it's like these people are saying this, and that's the truth. That's it right there. Those those people at the top of the of the media were controlled enough that what they were actually doing behind the scenes didn't get out there. And this is this goes back to the point I made earlier that the advent of the internet and this mass communication that's all intertwined is changing that game in a way I don't think these creepy old men ever foresaw because no. they're, they're creepy old men. They're just they're thinking in 20th century terms. To them, it's still the 50s, you know. I mean, Rhode Island here now. More and more every day, I'm getting uh, beeped at. You know, people once in a blue moon, I'll get beeped at with a finger, but. <laughs> <laughs> Once in, uh, like all the time, every day now, people beeping, like, you know, waving up, throwing their hands in the air, you know, the fist, whatever, like, yeah, Infowars, whatever, because I got Infowars stickers on my car, a 9-11 was inside job, we're out the second, there wouldn't be a third, you know, stuff like that, and the third, and so, you know, it shows a lot of, and I'm starting to see a lot more Infowars stickers everywhere, so it's starting to get huge up here in Rhode Island. Now, would you say, um, you said you're from a small area, are you becoming well-known? Because, I mean... I know you, you are putting your own looks down, but I would say, to your advantage, you are distinctive looking. I know what you look like. And you have a distinctive voice as well. So, I mean, that actually is an advantageous thing because you're recognizable. Yeah. Everybody tells me I'm a unique individual. <laughs> well, you know what? You don't have to be attractive to have charisma. And I, that's something I've tried to reinforce to people over and over again. You can't go by that Hollywood standard of everyone, you know, every dude's got to be six foot tall and 130 pounds or whatever. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, 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 mean, I like it because I, you know, I feel like I'm a, a own unique individual. I'm not a copycat of nobody, and I stand out. You know what I mean? And that's what I like to portray because I encourage everybody else, you know, to be yourself. You know, be who you are. Don't uh, imitate other people. Don't you know? Of course, like uh, when you grow up into a profession, you idolize people and you start off from there, but you eventually work off on your own. Sure, you you draw from the people that you respect, you know, the, like, hey, I like what that person did. I'm, I'm going to take that and I'm going to go even further with it. And then that's what I'm doing with my own radio show. I heard plenty of others doing it. And I decided, well, I want to try that. And this is only my sixth episode, and I've gotten a couple thousand views. And to me, in a, in a little over a month, that's like, wow, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm not anybody that anybody's ever heard of, and I'm already doing pretty well. Absolutely, and a year from now could be ten dollars, and I'm just gonna you know progress from there. Right, and if I keep having people like you, people who already are well known, who are willing to give me a little bit of their time, and we discuss some serious issues with some serious facts, it's just gonna keep building from there. And then once I get my music out there, which I'm intending to do next, it's just gonna be one thing leads to the next, you know. And this is what we have to get through to people. You can do it too. I, I'm a person. You're a person. We're all we're all from, coming from the same place. We just need to take action. We need to get off our butts and do it. Absolutely. And I meet people all the time when they go to rallies or do reports. I mean, even just at the mall. You know, I mean, InfoWars fans come up to me all the time to take pictures with me and everything else and have signed a magazine sometime. And uh, even at my work, I had two people already, like, have me sign the InfoWars magazine. And uh, it feels cool, but, you know, because you know you're reaching out to people. But the thing is, like, you don't want to be as a rock star, but you it feels good because you know you're reaching out to people. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, but you do encourage them, hey, you know, I'm just a regular person like you, and you could do the same thing, you know? Right, that's the whole point. Like, if you want someone to take action, we'll look in the mirror. And look at look at me. Look who I am. Look, look where I came from. You can do that, too. 
And it's it's good that we're all different looking and coming from different places. You know, I look nothing like you. I have long hair. I look like a guy, a musician from the 60s. You know, I look different than Alex Jones or whomever. You know, and that's good because each one of us can say, hey, we're just a, this, we're just like you. We're, we're everybody. And anyone can do this. And that's what should be going on now because there's strength in numbers, obviously. And there's way more of us than, quote-unquote, them, you know? And if we're all on the same page and we're fighting back against what they're trying to bring down on us, well, that certainly increases our chances of being successful, of, of getting back what we lost. It's like that Disney Pixar movie, The Bugs Life, that, that, that alone right there says it. The scene with the, with the where they're discussing the ants. If one ant stands up, they all stand up and they outnumber us however many to one. And that's exactly the truth. That's why Hitler used uh, fluoride to dumb Jews down, because realistically, the Jews could have took apart the Nazis. I mean, like, they could have, if they were united and had conscious and awareness of what was really going on, they could have they squashed the Nazis like a bug. Now, here's the big question, though. I'm sure that the elite are aware of this and are aware of the fact that more and more people every day are waking up. What do you think that they're going to have as their next move to, to try and squash this because I don't think they're ready to wipe out the entire planet yet in their whole transhumanist agenda. I don't think they're ready for that yet. Well, they're going to use more... And that, they go right to, back to the same old playbook. They're going to install this by using fear. They're going to blow something up and I've been saying for a while they're probably going to use a nuclear bomb here in America. Blame it on whoever. No, this is why you're going to give up your rights and people are going to fall for it. You know, because they installed fear to the hearts of the American people and all of a sudden they're complying with any look at 9-11. And they're right away complying. Oh, all right, you know what? We should have TSA in the airports sticking their hands down our pants. You know, and then um, if, I, I interview people at the airport in Texas over here too, uh, you know, wars, and people are like, well, if it, if it keeps me safe, I don't care. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> and Benjamin Franklin says, anybody gives up your civil liberties for security, you don't get a deserve neither. Right. But these people don't con- concept that. They're willing to give it up give up their civil liberties for a fake security, for fake terrorism, you know. And even if it was real terrorism, I still wouldn't give it up. You know what I mean? Like, well, no, because then the terrorists win. Yeah. Then you've given them exactly what they were trying to do. They're trying to instill fear in you and take away your way of life. It's funny, when I travel, a lot of TSA guys know who I am, and uh, a lot of them are good to me. Like, oh, just tell Alex we're not all like that, you know. And, it, and I got the, the pat down, and they're like, look, look, I'm not, t- you know, I just want to let you know I'm not going to touch inside here. You know, I just gently touch over here. I'm just saying, I'm laughing, you know what I mean? I just, don't worry about it. Just, you know, but you get some jerks, so, you know, that do or don't know who you are, and they're just playing out jerks, you know what I mean? And, uh, well, if you if you want to app that back in, they'll make you wait there for 20 minutes still. If you want to app back in, you can do it any time, and they'll try to discourage you from doing it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll wait, yeah, I got all day. That's why I get here oh, too early. Uh, a few years ago, um, probably around 2010, I'm, I'm guessing. I, of course, I always opt out because I know what those machines are and I don't want to be bombarded with radiation. I, I had an older gentleman actually ask me. Uh, he was a TSA worker. He goes, so well, let me ask you something. Why, why did you opt out? And I kind of looked at him funny for a second. I was like, well, I've done my research on what those machines really are. And I don't want to be exposed to that repeatedly because I travel a lot. And he goes, oh, well, they told us. This this was his words. They told us there's nothing wrong with them. I was like, sir, you should probably do your own research because you're standing next to that thing five-plus days a week. Well, yeah, I told a couple of TSA guys that, you know, that operate the machine. It's like, you really shit. The eye looks on their face. They want to say something, but 
you know, they were like, nope. And I, there's no bloody me. shielding on it. Yep. And what happens when you go get an Rex ray? That's what I told them, and uh, they're like, they looked at, you know, looks of concern, but they knew they couldn't say nothing because their bosses are on. And so, yeah. Well, at least you planted that seed that hopefully yeah. they'll go look up and be like, you know, maybe I should start looking for another job. Absolutely. I, I don't think being a TSA worker pays that much. I uh, helped with the uh, National Opt-Out Day, the first one we had. Uh-huh, I remember that. Big part of that, too, and, uh, you know, we helped, because I was part of We Are Change for a long time, Luke Kudowski and all that, and uh, that was my first activism, actually, is becoming part of We Are Change, and, uh, you know, we, was, we Are Change Rhode Island at the time, and um, Blackstone Valley, whatever, and uh, anyway, like, we did the National Opt-Out Day, and uh, we got kicked off the airport, pushed out by the, physically by the police and everything, and... And, you know, we were waking people up. We got a lot of people to uh, actually not go through the backscatter machines and uh, choose to opt out. So, yeah, it pissed them off, but, you know. <laughs> Which probably slowed everything down, right? Even if there's one part, like I told the media, you know, the, 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 the local media came to interview me because I was a coordinator, and I told them, so even if one person opts out, we've, we've accomplished it. And we know for sure, confirmed that uh, so far at the time, with the, you know, I said three people confirmed that they opt out. So we accomplished our mission. Even if it's just one person, all this was well worth it, to wake up one person to save one person. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. Mission accomplished. You at least did something. You reached someone. Yeah. Now, how do you feel We Are Change is going? I don't hear about them as much as I used to. Do you still think that the, 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 that organization is spreading and, and people are still getting involved with that? Um, yeah, I think it's a good organization because it just encourages people, hey, if there's not a chapter in your area, you can start your own. I used to hear a lot about like uh, Luke Radowski who started it, and I met him a few years ago. I, I don't really hear much about him anymore, though. Is he still involved? I, I actually haven't looked up. He's um, more of an independent uh, freelance journalist. Okay, but he's still be doing activism work. Yeah. I mean, when Rand Paul, he actually confronted Rand Paul when Rand Paul was uh, endorsing Mitt Romney and all that. Him and Abby Martin and Rand Paul tried to have the credentials uh, taken away from him. Really? Yeah. Because a lot of people out there endorsed, you know, oh, Rand Paul for president, but let's, you know, people quickly forget of the actions that Rand Paul, you know, took joining with the GOP and everything else and uh, become one of their spokesmen now and, you know, endorsing Mitt Romney. I'm like, you, know, you don't endorse evil. You know, it, it, it's funny. I mean, the Ron Paul, I mean, like, I don't think he's a Ron Paul. I really don't. And if not, he's still got ways to go, but I don't think he's ready yet for a president. And, uh, and plus, being, you know, the whole GOP, uh, the whole Republican, there's no way in hell, even if he is a good guy, and there's no way in the hell, if the whole country could vote for him, but there's no way in hell the, um, the Republican Party's going to give him the nomination. Right. Well, we saw with both of uh, Ron Paul's campaigns that they're, they're going to cheat it anyway. Yeah. Here in Rhode Island, right, we had over 4,000 people packed URI Stadium, and there was still over 1,000 people outside to see Ron Paul. Then Romney comes down, and he had about four or 500 people, and about 300 of them were his own people. <laughs> And uh, you, I seen one Mitt Romney sign somewhere. I know it was a bumper sticker. But Ron Paul stuff plastered all over the state of Rhode Island. But who do you think wins the, uh, the Rhode Island election? Well, Mitt Romney won it by 34%. I mean, if that's not fraud. You know I mean? Yeah, it's not even believable. Yeah, it's a, it wasn't even close. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, the thing is, the, the GOP, the uh, Republican Party, they'll never let anybody win the ticket. They already have the ticket picked. And I really believe it's Jeb Bush. 
I believe they already got Jeb Bush picked off from 2010 because I seen all the all the activity that was going on with Jeb Bush. He's uh, doing a lot of visits to Obama, meetings at the White House, the constant foreign relations. He's uh, doing this, that, and the other thing. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, this guy's going to be the next president of the United States after uh, Obama's two terms. And I even called him and said, Obama's going to go two terms. There's no doubt about that. And because um, he's a perfect establishment puppet. Oh yeah. They swing the pendulum back over to the right. The more than likely it's going to be Hillary Clinton and um, Jeb Bush, and uh, Jeb Bush is probably going to come out. And um, I mean, I'm more sure of it because he's an establishment puppet, and uh, he's got to he's got to implement what his grandfather and his father started, which is the North American Union. It's got the problem, reaction, solution, order, chaos for the border crisis, for this whole Ebola virus thing and everything. We need to uh, just open the borders and create a North American Union, which was already been created by George Bush. And uh, So do you think Obama's like creating all the problems that, the, that they're setting up for the next one to fix? Yeah, because uh, Obama was actually supposed to usher in the North American Union. That was his change campaign. But um, they didn't have no idea of people waking up. Yeah, people started waking up, and uh, it pushed the New World Order plans back dramatically. They were- yeah, I think so, too. It seems like they're getting slowed down a little bit. Oh, yeah, 2000, I think it was uh, August of 2010, somewhere over there, that was the implementation date for the North American Union. And, but with the mass awakening, people taking up arms in Texas to stop these corridor highways and everything else. And Clinton was all behind it, too. Uh, Obama was behind it, the Bushes. And, um, you know, they people woke up and, uh, and it just put, it slowed the New World Order down dramatically. They were supposed to push the Real ID Act through, which is the one ID for all three countries. It failed miserably. Right. Yeah, and uh, the, Mark, you know, the beast, I call it, the Obamacare, the implant chip. I think people are pretty hip on that now. Like, that's the one thing that might really trigger a lot of people to go like, whoa. Yeah, and I even talked to, you know, Democrats are saying, well, there's no way in hell I'm going to be implanted. With the chip, then I say, "Well, hey, well, you Obama, went, well, where's that? Well, pages one thousand one and one thousand eight on your Obamacare, which says everybody's going to be mandatory implanted with a class two medical device, which is a RFID radio frequency identification device into your hand. You know, what I mean, and the globalists have already, have, you know, the Rockefellers. I mean, have you seen um, Aaron Russo's videos? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, you know, freedom of fascism and all that. He's he was friends with these people, the Rockefellers and all that. He said, "Hey, we're going to." We're going to plant anybody with chips. You know, you can't buy yourself without it. They're going to pass it off as a medical device first. You know, which they're doing with the Obama. All you, all countries in the United Nations have universal care. They have different names, but Obamacare is actually universal health care. And all these UN countries have this. And in these bills, is there's implementation for uh, implantable chip. They're going to pass it off as a medical device. And when the G20 moves to a one-world currency, which is going to be a cashless, paperless society... It's going to be currency on a digital chip. It's going to be right on the chip that you already have for your medical device. And if you want to throw some biblical uh, prophecy into this, and um, now the, the verses in Revelation uh, 18 says, He who has wisdom and understanding, let him calculate the number of the beast. For, and this is the key word. It is also the number of the man. You know, it's 666. It also goes on to say, you can't buy a cell without it. And all that. And it, what he's explaining, 666, anybody seen Da Vinci pictures of the man in a circle, his arm and legs spread open? That's um, called the golden ratio, six by six by six of human being. That's the that's the number of men. Right. That he's trying to say is back then, you know, because you can say um, biometrics chips. He's trying to say that they're going to pass it off as a biometrics you implant, implant, and you can't. And then when they move to the cashless society, you can't buy a cell without. So they're going to pass it off first as a medical device. 
And then when they move to the cashless society, they're going to implement it on the already chip that you already have. Now, what do you think is going to be the catalyst to bring in that cashless, that digital currency? Do you think uh, Bitcoin is is something that's gonna that's actually dirty? I, I really believe I did a whole report on that Bitcoin. I, I don't trust it. Nobody knows the sources of it. You know, people speculate, but nobody knows who really is pushing us out. I really think, and and it's all leading to that. That all it is is to get people accustomed. And what they do is, oh, the government's attacking us all the time. Yeah, to make it's called plausible deniability. Because when you deny something, when you're against something, it makes the people want it even more. Well, I love the concept behind it, but I'm definitely leery about it. Well, the concept's good, and it might be a good intention. Who knows? I mean, it could be good people behind it, but again, nobody knows. But what it really does is it makes people accept the cashless society. Right. Because it's not physical cash. It's not... It's all digital currency and everything else. Right. And people, yeah, they can make coins out of whatever, but ultimately it's a cashless society. And under a cashless society, I mean, you could any kind of fraud can go on. I mean, they could. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter at that point. It's just numbers of the computer. They can just change them at will. And the IRS would have a field day. In other words, you couldn't pay me to fix your brakes on your car. What they would do, all right, all right, we're going to tax you and him. Then that information will go to the state. And the state would be like, oh, the state inspection company. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. Dan Badanti wasn't a licensed mechanic. So, therefore, we're going to suspend your registration, and you have to go to a regular garage now to pay a, a, a licensed professional do your brakes and re-inspect your car now. So that's where they're going down that road here. You know, and then um, you could pay, pay somebody to paint your house. Um, for yard sales, flea markets, garage sales, stuff like that would be a thing of the past. And you, everybody would be taxed. I mean, they would know where your currency is going. Even if it's Bitcoin, IRS would have a field day. Just like that, say, you know, tapping into your stuff, and then they'll do the same thing, and they'll be taxed. Hey, I seen you bought, um, right on your Bitcoin account, oh, you just bought uh, $50 of uh, lingerie for your girl at the uh, yard sale. Not that you buy lingerie at a yard sale, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to tax you. You didn't pay the taxes on that, so he has a bill. You know, and so it just go, it goes down a nasty road. And uh, the Bitcoin, might, you know, sounds like a good concept, whatever, but it's, uh, again, it's conditioning the people for a cashless society. That's the only problem I have with it. No, I agree with you there. Um, do you think there's going to be a catalyst or something that's going to get to that point? Uh, because the thing that's holding yeah. up the uh, Federal Reserve dollar right now is the fact that it's still tied as the petrodollar. That's keeping it afloat no matter how much they uh, print of it, you know, technically print. Um, that's still going to hold as some sort of intrinsic value just because countries have to buy those to buy a barrel of oil. Yeah, I think um, what's going to happen when they ultimately bankrupt it, and this is where the gold ties in, and people need to pay attention to this, the gold and silver and all that. People say, buy gold and silver, blah, 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 and, you know, the society, but the thing is, during a disaster, gold and silver is worthless. I mean, the people in Fukushima, Hurricane Katrina, was gold and silver, did the gold and silver feed their families? No. Historical foods. But the thing is, I think I call this, I did a video on this tour. It's called the gold heist because even a Bible confirmed is going to be worthless. But the thing is, every people don't realize there's a little little country inside of London. It, it, it's, it's a country, a little country inside of uh, London. It's run by the Rothschild. They're the ones who come out every day to say what gold's going to be worth. They're the ones who dictate the prices. And if you see how the balance goes, when the economy's doing bad, gold skyrockets. When the economy's doing good, it goes back down. It's a, it's a ba- evenly balanced scale, and they do that purposely to fool the people to buy in gold. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with buying gold or whatever, but you know what? You should, if you have money, you should buy storable foods and survival gear. That's more important. But the thing is, they're gonna they're gonna collapse the whole system. It'll be the the backbreaker. And the, one day that could come out tomorrow. Right now, since everybody's buying, the, we'll buy your gold now. Buy your gold now. And they could come out tomorrow to say, literally, hey, gold's gonna be worth today five dollars an ounce. You know how many countries and banks and stores, everything they would they would just bottom out. It will be the end of our uh, whole economic society. They can literally do that if they wanted to. But they're going to drop gold as well, along with economies, and that's going to be the financial backbreaker that's going to send the whole world plummeting and uh, begging for help from the G20. And they implement the perfect solution, you know, the, the world global economy, cashless society, new world order. What do you think is going to lead up to that, though? Like, do you think there's going to be like a big event, or do you think it's going to be a slow descent? And then when they're finally done with whatever it is they're doing, it's a gradual descent. This way, they get people to submit more. What about like a whole World War Three scenario, the way a lot of people thinking that they're messing around just a little too much with Russia and China? Yeah, the, the whole Russia and China thing, and uh, it's like they want World War Three. That's the thing. They want a World War Three because not that you know, this is a whole wacky thing about this. The whole wacky thing about this is it's all a giant stage WWE event. <laughs> Great way to put it. All these leaders, they they care less about their own people. They can, like everybody who plays a role in this big world um, stage, they all play a role. I'm a bad guy, I'm a good guy. The Bill Berg meeting say, hey, you two are going to war next year. They decide who goes to war. They decide who's going to win the war. And they fund both sides of it. The, the people, like the, you should say, Obama and Putin, they don't really hate each other. They're playing their roles. It's like a WWE show. I hate you, you hate me, I'm a bad guy, you're a good guy, we're going to kick each other's ass. But hey, when all the fans go home, Hey, we're going to go out to dinner together. We wrap out together. We're going to I'll go to your house tomorrow. Next week, come over to my house with my family. You know, that's exactly how the world stage is played out. It's more fixed. I mean, yes, there are some countries that really don't go with the status quo, but it's all staged, all choreographed to push World War III for the New World Order. And again, the Obama and Putin could care less how many people, Americans, die, how many Russians die. It's no sweat off their brows. Well, no, it's not them that goes to war. It's, it's the nope. common people. The, because they know in the end, the globalists know, hey, when all is said and done, you know, 8, million, 8 billion people on this planet, or 7.5 billion people, whatever, they're going to be dead. And we're going to have a perfect utopia in the world order with nobody else to share with. Now, do you feel that there's a timeline for that? Um, I don't like to put timelines on things, but I mean, you could, uh, I mean, you, you could feel it, smell it, taste it, see it. All happening now. I mean, like, just it's you know, it's right around the corner. I mean, and, but the thing is too is uh, the the possibility. I mean, the people waking up—that's what's really pushing things back. Yeah, that's what I think too. Because a lot of people ask me those kinds of questions, and I'm like, well, it's flexible. It really depends upon what we do too, as much as what they do. And the other thing too that they can't stand a point when I was mentioned earlier about these people, Luciferians. Now they they know what they don't tell the lower levels. It's a giant pyramid. The elite, they believe in Lucifer as God. Right. They know, they know Jesus is the Son of God. They know he's coming back. They know all the prophecy has to come fulfilled to bring forth the Antichrist on the planet. But they'll never tell the lower levels that. They'll tell the lower levels that God don't exist. They don't exist either, you know. And uh, they'll miscontribute all these different, uh, inf all this information to confuse everybody on the lower levels. Because, again, they want a new world order and they don't want to share with nobody. But they know all the stuff that has to happen. 
But the thing is, is on God's timing too. Peace out. That's why I tell people, don't be afraid because if God don't want it to happen, it's not going to happen. I don't know how many times God's doing a monkey wrench in the works. Look at 2010. They were that close from signing the World Treaty. Obama said he's going to sign it and he doesn't need approval by the U.S. people or the, con uh, the Congress. He's going to sign it. And he was going to sign that World Treaty with the global warming crap. And what happened was uh, Washington, D.C. got that record snowfall. And at the same time, the entire continent just about was covered in the snow. And people were like, what the? And all these globals that were going to sign this deal, these presidents and such, they, they started to question global warming. Wait a minute. If global warming is real, how are we all covered in snow, record snowfall <laughs> in history? And it, and it collapsed the whole thing. But they were ready right then to pen stroke away from the New World Order. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So, and it's a, you know, it's divine intervention, it's, uh, you know, in God's timing, and uh, it's also people waking up that, you know, puts a stop to it. Because, like I tell people all the time, yeah, they work day and night to uh, conspire plans to do stuff, but just say 9-11, how many years did it take them to co correlate that whole plan? Many, many years. Months. Yeah, we don't know. Probably a long time, though. But if, if one man, just say one man, one person, five minutes on the end, just say he pirated every TV station across the country. Then gave all details exactly what's going to happen, what plane's going to hit what. All those years of plans, all that money will be squashed out the window. That's why I tell people it only takes one, even a minute of truth could destroy years of uh, elite's work. Like happened with the Boston bombings, because you guys yep. got it out there. Yep, and if we didn't do that, you know, the Patriot Group, they were ready to come round up the Patriot Groups. Yeah, they were one step away from rounding up all the Patriots and saying, hey, they're terrorists. They came out, they gave Rainbow Six Patriots that target patriots as uh, terrorists. You know, and that's, it, it just shows a resistance is victory. Oh, you absolutely have to do that. And that goes back to what I said earlier. Again, I don't think they foresaw this technology coming to the way it did and oh. the fact that we were able to utilize it the way we can. So when you guys blew that whole thing wide open and it just went everywhere, it, I don't think they foresaw that. I really don't. <laughs> they look like gears in the head. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, what the... You know, somebody infiltrated the mainstream media, and because <laughs> yeah, Peter, all those mainstream media guys, they were there just to be there. You know, they had for a free ticket. You know, that whole thing though, it seems weird, man. It's almost like they're thinking in 1950s terms, like old James Bond kind of like cloak and dagger stuff. And hey, we could pull this over on people. It's not like that anymore. I can take a picture of my freaking iPhone. And I can send it to you, you could send it to Alex Jones, and all of a sudden, boom, whatever this event was that I happen to witness, it goes all over the planet. Yep. And I just don't think they saw that. Oh, no, no, they're ignorant to it, too. You know, you get rallies going on, like, uh, you mainstream media, like the, um, the kid that got shot in Missouri or whatever, and they said only a few hundred people came out to protest against it. No, it was over 10,000 people. You know, and they, they dramatically downplay the numbers and upplay the numbers for the other side, you know, and it's, like the gun control here in Rhode Island, there's 40 people, I got it on video too, 40 people that came here to throw the gun control bills, and it was well over 500 people, and I wasn't even counting the other uh, people that couldn't make it that day, over 500 people outside that was against the gun control bills, but the media said, oh, about 40 people showed up. Oh, that's a game I, I always hear they're, they're playing. Yeah. And I think one of the, the jobs of the uh, mainstream media is still to make us feel isolated and alone, that we're the crazy tinfoil hat people. You know, it's like, oh, you're you're just some crazy nut in your basement, your mom's basement. You know, looking at YouTube videos. When really, it's like, no, there's lots of us. Absolutely, and like you cross your T's, dot your eyes. 
every information I learn, you know, I double check and look, you know, do my own research and to, you know, pull out the truth of the things. And, um, you know, because I mean, uh, we all learn by experience, you know. I used to come out with stuff, oh, they're doing this and that. And uh, come to find out it was a spoof video and I feel like a jackass, you know, and like, then I got to come out and apologize and, you know, which was a noble thing to do, come out and say, hey, I was wrong, it was a spoof video and, uh, Oh sure, I mean, and, but we're going to make mistakes, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's what you know. It's all about you know. Now I have a question for you. This is something I've been hearing a lot about, and I, I don't know if you you would ever looked into anything like this, but I keep hearing this term "breakaway civilization," and I find this very fascinating. That this concept that a lot of the trillions of, of dollars of uh, Black Ops money has actually gone to fl- fund a secondary space program that's way beyond anything that the public sees in NASA and that they've actually got space colonies. They've actually, they're way more advanced than anything we would normally think of. Do you know anything about that? Because that's a very fascinating concept to me. Yeah, yes. But, I don't know, it sounds like to me, like, uh, well, I mean, if you want to go down that, like, the rabbit hole, you know what I mean, with uh, aliens and everything else, and, uh, you know, like, uh, I like to like, touch upon that, like, uh, a lot of stuff for us before I talk about that, because people are like, oh, my God, this guy's another crackpot, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, but that stuff really exists, and um, I think uh, I think they're working with extraterrestrial beings to do this stuff. You know, I hear a lot of people say that. Um, my one question, is, and I'm not discounting it either. I, I'm very fascinated by such things. I've seen some some interesting things myself, so I do have my own personal opinions. Um, I don't take a side when I'm doing interviews, and I, I let guests come on and present what they they feel is their point of view, and I'm totally cool with that. And I have my own. Uh, my I feel my job as an uh, internet journalist is just to present information and you do what you want with it. And I'm curious what... I hear a lot of people talking about the alien thing, and I, I just I want to know more about that. What do you think? Go ahead and tell me, because this is a subject that is very fascinating to me, and if it's true, that, that is a huge X factor that has to be considered in this whole uh, game that's going on. Well, I mean, like, if you, like, stand on a neutral point of position right now, like, when you, you know, you got to look at all the uh, scenarios. And when you look in the United States, they downplay everything. Even though, I think it was in Texas, the whole city, sheriffs, high-testability people, witness a 300-yard spacecraft being followed by freighter jets. They dismissed the swamp gas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even though the whole town seen it. You know what I mean? And, um... Again, it goes back to plausible deniability, you know, and um, all over the world, I mean, in Russia, you know, the spacecraft over the Moscow airport, the, all the Russian media, see, now Russia Today reporting it, it was all over the, you know, the, the, the media, and the, you know, international media, but here in the United States and the UK and Australia, we have a dumbed-down media that likes to keep people under the, uh, with their heads in the sand. Oh, that's just a conspiracy, and then people start laughing when you mention aliens and whatnot. And uh, but they don't take accountability that the United Nations went out in 2010 to appoint official space ambassador. And her job, she didn't set the position, but they they're appointing official space ambassador. Her job is to greet alien life if they you know if alien forms came down here. And the Pope's astrology even going on record to say, hey, he would baptize an alien no matter how many tentacles it would have. <laughs> right, I've heard that one, yeah. And the Vatican actually built the telescope. Uh, they had a, the University of Arizona built the telescope. Um, yes, they did a very powerful one. Yep, and it's uh, nicknamed Lucifer. And they said, oh, that's just acronym for something. How coincidental is that? I mean, Yeah, that's a little too much in my opinion. 
Yeah, and they said it's to, uh, it was built to uh, look for extraterrestrial life. And why would the Vatican be interested in looking through the eye of Lucifer? Exactly. And, you know, that people don't correlate these things and, you know, you know, it's just say it, it's just a mind-boggling, it really is, and um, it's just right in everybody's faces and people don't, and uh, if people don't see it, the, the movies, the TV, everything, that just conditioning people, oh, alien invasion would be cool to see, uh, you know, and, and the churches don't teach about this stuff. You know, the churches should teach what the real, you know, what these things really are. The church would never tell you in Revelations, I think it was 13, whatever, about uh, three unclean spirits look like frogs that are going to present themselves to the world. It's going to be presented by the false prophet. He's going to reveal three unclean spirits that look like frogs to the world. That's going to cause the whole world to unite. That's the Pope revealing to the whole world, hey, we're not alone in the universe. And the Pope's already going to record both Popes to say, hey, you know what, we're looking for alien life form. We're going to show up when we do. We're going to let the whole world know. You know, and the United Nations, the same thing. So if these, uh, you know, globalist uh, organizations and such are uh, doing this, it's going to make you question it, you know? Sure. What do you think the reality of, it, of uh, alien life forms are? Have you come across anything that, in, in your mind, says, that's pretty definitive, like, this the, the stuff is real? Well, um, not only not only taking biblical aspects from this, but when you take all ancient culture, uh, docu- doctrines and such, all the art, um, hieroglyphics, all that good stuff, all that to account, um, all of them have relevantly the same exact concepts. Cult, you know, cultures that didn't even know the other one existed halfway across the planet. The American Indians, I'm American Indian, and um, I belong to the Wapanak tribe. It was the Thanksgiving tribe, the ones that greeted the pilgrims with the Pocahontas thing and everything. Okay. Well, um, uh, ancient American history, North American history, the reason why they held their hand up to go how, they didn't, it was, that was just a Hollywood thing. It wasn't saying hi. They had a fear for the six-fingered people. They called them the star people. Huh. And the Bible called them the Nephilim. Right. Uh, Greek mythology, and uh, which is really not mythology, because um, even the Bible says they were men of renown. And um, they had certain abilities and such that the Greeks thought they were gods because of their unique uh, individual abilities. And all ancient cultures, the Egyptians, the same thing. When you see Nimrod, Osiris, in uh, Egyptianology, he's a giant green man. He was a Nephilim. And uh, that, even the Bible says he was a giant and a, a man of renown back then. And uh, all the you know, Bible, ancient cultures, and all that, all confirm the stuff. And you see uh, uh, in the movie 300, you see uh, uh, one of the soldiers there who was like a half fish and stuff. And, um, you know, different uh, interwoft creatures like. Right, the, the chimeras. Yeah, you know, the, the Greeks have records of that. The Egyptians do. Uh, all uh, the Aztecs, Mayans, all have that stuff, and it was uh, in the Bible talks about the you know these aliens, the fallen angels coming down to meet with the woman on the earth, and that offspring was called the Nephilim. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go from biblical terms to historic uh, terms, I mean, you can see it all correlate together. I mean, that's it matches identical. Then you see all the you know the stuff that's happening and. Uh, the eyewitness accounts of people all over the world. I mean, yeah, some are crackpots and probably take your drugs, whatever, but, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the, the things that's happening all over the world. You know what I mean? Cows getting sucked from inside out. Uh, people getting abducted. All have the same cases. Radiation on them. I mean, they, the evidence is overwhelming. Well, tying those two things together then, uh, the theoretical uh, presence of alien life forms 
in and around our planet, and then a breakaway civilization where they actually have uh, space colonies, or perhaps even on the moon, is one of the things I've heard. Do you think they're interacting? Do you think that not only are humans out there, they're interacting with other species? Well, absolutely, and I, um, no, <laughs> I mean, I can't prove it, but I know for a fact that... Right, they, right, I, I know. That's that's where I'm kind of like, yeah. well, you we can't really prove this stuff, but... They work with the high levels of our government. I mean, there's been people that testified. I mean, they, to normal person, they look like a wacko, testified that, you know, they were truck drivers for the government, whatever, underground bases and everything else, the burden centers they got, and, uh, I mean, it's just like, the stuff is out there, it's hidden, but it's hidden in plain sight, actually, and... Yeah, it's just, oh, I mean, it's really crazy. I mean, that's why I tell people, I don't blame you if you don't blame me. You know, I'm not going to take offense by it. Right. Oh, so I'm not at all going to blame you if you call me a wacko. But, I mean, this stuff is very real. And uh, I've seen, I've come across things in my life, and, I um, mean, it's not pretty. <laughs> no, and, I have as well. That's why I asked. Yeah. So, I mean, like, um, if anybody just on back and says, oh, they don't, they're not real, it's just that they're ignorant. You know, they just don't want to, you know, come out and say it because they're scared. They're either ignorant or scared of both, either one. I mean, like, until there's, you know, they say, well, you have no proof that they're here. Well, you and I have no proof that they're not, because actually we do have proof, because all ancient cultures, not just the Bible, but all ancient cultures have solid proof that they were here with men. Oh, yeah, there's tribes and things like that all over the world that had astronomical data that, they, that it was not possible, things like that. So that tells me right there that something was going on. I just don't know what exactly. The Egyptian said, uh, Nimrod, um, Osiris said, he charted the dark side of the moon. Now, no, the dark side of the moon's never been um, exposed to the people, you know, the, the visual, visualized to the people on Earth, man. Right. So how would he have a map of the dark side of the moon? You know, it's like, you know, he then set up these uh, pyramids and structures, the Pyramid Giza and all this, perfectly in alignment with the stars. With Orion's belt, right? Yep. And some of the, the carbons they have, are perfectly straight, straighter than any rule today could ever make. Right, so all these things, you add them together, it's like, well, there's something up here. Even though we can't put our finger exactly on it, there's something up. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a lot of things are hoax nowadays, too, you know, but especially in the 60s, a Project Blue Book by the Air Force. Oh, yeah. People doing anything, you know, videotaping a, a plate wrapped in tin foil and throwing it in the air and saying. Right, yeah. <laughs> now, the big question here is, okay, I put Hypothetically speaking, that um, they're here. What is their agenda, or is there? Uh, excuse me, are there multiples, and what is the agenda there? Like, do they are there different races? Are they having? You know, they each have their own ideas. Oh man, the races are un, un, uncountable, and uh, a lot of people got to understand too. But um, before humanity was created, when God created all these angels, and maybe He said one third of the angels fell with Satan to the earth. One third. I mean, those just that one third number could be astronomical. It could be hundreds of thousands of species, millions or billions. Who you know, nobody even knows. But the thing is, is that you have the Greys, the Reptilians, the Nordics. The, um, I mean, there's so many different you know so-called races, whatever. And um, they breed them, uh, you know, use genetic mutate and all that stuff. And you know, grin. You know, that's why they got the grin and singular technology today. They said, oh, well, you know, in Europe they have this place that. You send your dog or, you know, your favorite animal's DNA to them, and when that animal dies, you call them up, hey, uh, my animal died, so they got the DNA, and they create an exact clone, even down to the, uh, the gray spot that was near his tail. Exactly what your dog was. <laughs> <laughs> so, knowing that there are these uh, families, people like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and all of them, 
do you think that they have personal dealings with one or more alien races, like on an actual personal basis? Like there's interaction, there's communication, there's deals, if you want to call it that. Oh yeah, definitely, because this all goes back to a spiritual uh, agenda. Now every movie you see that has to do with demons and aliens, like that movie they shot in uh, Alaska. I forgot the name of it. The Dirt for Close Kind or whatever it was called. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but. If you've seen the movie, there's aliens and demons and all that that all in correspondent with each other. And uh, it's the thing is a lot of these things are fallen angels and the unclean spirits and their genetic offsprings of these creatures as well. And it's all a mix of a bunch of them. The whole main agenda is yeah, they deal with these uh, elite. And um, the thing is in the Illuminati, okay, the the top top level of the the whole rule of the Illuminati is the right down is loose for himself. But he has a band of chief angels, he calls them. They're called the Serpents of Wisdom. I mean, the the Serpents of Dragon or the Serpents of Wisdom. And um, and uh, what they, they're the chief angels that deal between uh, Lucifer and the high priest of the Illuminati. And the high priest correlates down to um, the, you know, the ruling family and such, and it goes down the chain of command, so to speak. So it's uh, right to the basis of it. It's a spiritual thing. That they all talk with each other, you know what I mean, and uh, communicate and lay orders down to each other, and they all worship Lucifer as God, and Lucifer promises all his angels a place in his kingdom. That's why they all have a certain uh, duty to do something, you know. And uh, these high priests in the Illuminati, that the um, connection, to the mediations between man and um, you know the spiritual realm. How do you think the the uh, correlation between the spiritual aspect and, and a physical alien aspect is? Like, what do you think the interaction there is? Like, Lucifer being the way they see him as the, uh, you know, the light bearer, the illuminated one, all that kind of thing. How do you think that relates to these various alien races that you're always hearing bantered about? Well, yeah, they got to, um, again, let's just say um, they're all on the same team. All these uh, races in there are all in charge of certain aspects. And uh, people say the Greys are the more intelligent ones, and uh, the Nordics too, and uh, the Reptilians are more like the army type people. And uh, but they, they all have their role they play within, you know, the system there. Right. So, do you think they're they're actually from another planet? Some of them, or uh, not a planet necessarily. You, they can go to other planets, yes, but um, it's more interdimensionally. That that's what I hear too, interdimensional, but. You know, it's it's so some of it's hazy. You don't really know like what's what because obviously these are the kinds of things we can't have documents for, like we have so yeah. much other stuff. But uh, you know, you try and put it together as you can. Now, unclean spirit, because um, you got familiar spirits, unclean spirits, uh, and unbodied spirits. Unbodied spirits is a spirit that needs a, um, a living entity to possess to be in this realm. Which you know, would be an interdimensional being because they they're not physically here. Yeah, and they have to actually come into this be, uh, universe of existence to um, a human being or an animal or something. They're disembodied spirits, but the ones who are, I mean, it's just say like, it's so complex with the interdimensional stuff, and uh, you know, I mean, and it's, they're going to be called, and uh, there's certain uh, rituals that have to be done. They're top members of the Illuminati. I mean, like my friend Bill Schnobland, Doc Marquis. Uh, Cisco Wheeler, they're, you know, good friends with all these people now over the years, and they told me about the rituals they have to be, you know, that rate, these uh, high priests would raise fallen angels, 
and they would have uh, communications, even even sex with the fallen angels and the aliens. It's all uh, to do ritual and um, sex magic and everything else. And they would actually drink the blood of a fallen angel, and uh, it gets so wacky. I mean, like Steven Spielberg couldn't even make anything up like this. You know, speaking of him, he seems to have an incredible fascination with alien life forms, and is yeah. supposedly has a lot of. Um, he's collected a lot of objects from all over the world over the over the years. And everybody needs to remember: all this science fiction is based off of some truth. If not all truth, you know. Right, truth is uh, stranger than fiction. Yeah, and um, so I mean, they, these things are—they're amongst us. You know, what I mean, like they're working with our government. That's where we get the technology from. And you know, I mean, like the touch screens and everything else. And if you see the technological explosion, I mean, one day we have brick phones, and ten years from now we have touch screens, and you know, just that, and microchips from. Uh, I mean. But, you know, the microchip in your phone, the, this is where people need to stop and really say, wow, you know. You know, you, you know, that little SIM card in your phone, it's like size of, smaller than your thumbnail. And you know what? You just, uh, people have an average, what, 8 gig, 16 gig card? Right. Just say a 4 gig card, right? You know how much how much space, back just back in the 1980s, they would need the size of a warehouse to produce that, not even half that much. Oh, money. yeah, it's insane, just the, the insane jumps that they, they've done in the technological breakthroughs. It's, it's, I mean, I think about that all the time, growing up watching Star Trek to the Next Generation as a kid, and, you know, we're walking off iPads today, 20 years later, it's like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, just like 25 years ago, you would never imagine. I, I got a device in my hand, you know, the cell phone, that I could call people, record people, video, audio, Take pictures, go on the internet, uh, all the stuff, and touch screen at that, and all these apps. That was if you said that twenty years ago, even fifteen years ago, probably you'd be like, "Yeah, right." Whatever. <laughs> no, I couldn't even fathom it. And what's funny is even the science fiction didn't even get that close. Like no, you notice, they have independent devices for all those things. Like even Star Trek didn't do that. Like the the cell phone can do more than you know, like the communicators and all that because. An iPhone, for instance, is a mini computer you can attach to the web and you can look up anything you want. Absolutely. So, I mean, we're seeing, um, and uh, it goes back to biblical too, when it says about knowledge will increase double fold. And you're looking exactly how it, you come with the Nintendo, right? It was a uh, two bit, or no, the tire was a two bit system. Then it was, uh, I think, the first Nintendo, you know. The original so, Nintendo, I believe, was 8 bit. 8-bit, that's right. Then the next one was 16, the 32, 64, I mean, I just, I mean, it just, I mean, it just kept 32, I mean, 64, and just every time it comes out, it doubles. I mean, it, it vehicles or computers, the next, uh, the next grade up is doubled from the last, and it's a technology booming, doubling its, uh, itself. I mean, like, you go by computer now, and the months from now, it's going to be obsolete from the market, you know, it's... <laughs> Now, here's a question for you. Um, do you know anything about the significance of the planet Saturn? Oh, with the, yeah, the cult of Saturn. And it's uh, correlated with the Catholic Church there, you know, the origins of the Catholic Church, you know, before they hijacked the Christian movement. And uh, they, they basically it was the Church of Babylon. That's what, exactly what it was. And, they, and uh, was Constantine. You know, they say Peter was the first pope, which is a huge lie. Peter or Paul had nothing at all to do with the Catholic Church. 
You know, they they were they were totally against the Church of Rome at that. The Church of Rome at the time was uh, it was a pagan church that went off the old Eastern mystical gods like Babylon and everything else. It was a Babylonian church, and um, when Constantine came along, he uh, claimed they seen cross, Christian crosses in the sky to help him win a battle, which was false. He seen Baal crosses, the cross of Baal, which mm -hmm. is the cross, same cross you see all over the Catholic Church, the same cross you see on the Pope's ring. It's a plus sign cross. They call it uh, a Roman cross, which is the cross of Baal, Baal worship, you know, B-A-A-O. Right. And, um, and what they do is they, uh, they actually, when you look in the windows, you see Jesus with long hair, and you see Mary with something on her head, signifying short hair. And so it represents the Maphrodite God. You're actually looking at Nimrod and Samaranus, which is known as uh, Isis and, um, I mean, Osiris and Isis. And uh, they... They confuse the people. That's why they mix all the holidays together. Which, any even back here in America before the 1800s, we never celebrated Christmas. We never celebrated Easter. We knew they were pagan holidays and satanic holidays. They had nothing to do with Christ. The Catholic Church confused all that together, fused it all together, and uh, caused a great confusion upon everybody. When uh, in the late 1800s, the United States started adopting uh, Roman International Vatican law. And uh, Father Fathers, we went to churches on Saturdays because we knew the Sabbath day is Saturday, not Sunday. You know, Jesus was born in the spring sometimes. So, I mean, the Father, I think it was John Adams, who actually, uh, one of his speeches, he says about the 4th of July, how coincidental is the birth of our nation, it's also the birth of our Savior. So, a lot of the old timers actually thought, yeah, that Jesus was born on the 4th of July. But it was the, December 25th is the birthday of uh, Nimrod. Nimrod, which is uh, Osiris, the ruler of Babylon at the time. And um, the reason why they eat pork for because he was killed by, um, his son was killed by a wild boar, his uh, son Tamut. He wanted to be a mighty hunter like his father, and he was killed by a wild boar. That's why they eat him uh, um, and everything on Easter and Christmas, and because it, both holidays are to do with Babylon. Nothing at all to do with Christ at all. And they, you know, they merged the two holidays to get people foolishly thinking they're worshiping Christ when they're actually worshiping the Antichrist. The seed of the Antichrist of that. So this goes back to the whole notion out of Revelations that the the Luciferian religion is going to take over the planet. Yep, and you're seeing it now that you know, everybody's calling for the one world religion. The Pope, uh, Pope Francis here, he's been in power, I call it office, <laughs> uh, office for about a year. <laughs> and um, he's done more than any Pope's ever done. And I don't, I'm not glorifying this guy, but he, to the world, he's doing good things. He's got the admiration of atheists, the gay activist community of all people, the atheists of all people, the Muslims, the Buddhists, all the Eastern religions, the, the mainstream Christians, all think this guy is the best thing since sliced bread. And he's calling for a one world religion that Pope uh, John Paul II tried to start. But he's, uh, his number one goal is to unite the one world religion, and the United Nations is right behind him. All the mainstream media, uh, mainstream churches, uh, the 700 Club, Pat Robinson, Billy Graham, they're all jumping on his bandwagon to push a one world religion to say, hey, we all serve the same God. Everybody's going to heaven no matter what. And it's a one global religion. When it's unified, everybody's not going to be able to say, hey, um, to get to heaven, you got to go through Muhammad. To get to heaven, you got to go through Jesus. No. You have to conform to this one world religion. And if you don't, you'll be uh, charged for hate crimes. I mean, you're starting to see that now. The FBI project, Megiddo, 
uh, targeting uh, people who believe in biblical prophecy or preach against the New World Order as terrorists. I mean, this is all coming to par. And uh, this Pope is very, um, very sly, I should say, very evil. And um, he's the first Pope ever to be with that was a Jesuit. Because the Jesuits, uh, they were, in the 1500s, it was a Ignatius Loyola. He, he created the order, they called him the Society of Jesus, the Order of the Jesuits. It split the Roman Catholic Church. The, you know, the revise, when the Bible says the revised Roman Empire, mm -hmm. split into two, then it'll reemerge again. The revised Roman Empire was the Roman Catholic Church, because they ruled the world. Instead of by force, they ruled it by, which they did kill during the Inquisition. For 600 years, they killed millions of Christians, Jews. Anybody that would conform and turn into a Catholic, they would kill you. And if you held the, or possessed the Bible, they would kill you for that, too. Isn't the Pope also considered Caesar? Yep. And as uh, uh, Pope Francis here, he merged the two churches back together. Because, uh, again, the Roman Empire split the revised Roman Empire. It split to the Roman Catholics and the Roman Jesuits. The Jesuit Catholics. And um, him being a Jesuit Catholic, he was a cardinal, Jesuit cardinal, and the uh, Jesuits have their own Pope that nobody is aware of, the Black Pope, the Jesuit General. But he, when he became White Pope, he merged the two churches together again. And um, you know, merging the uh, Revised Roman Empire back together again, the New Babylon. And they're, they're spearheading the One World Religion that's bringing so-called peace throughout the planet. The Pope's been traveling around to, they went to Gaza, they went to um, Israel, all over the Middle East. And they had a Muslim uh, leader with him and a Christian leader with him to say, hey, we all can get together and get along. And they're winning a lot of people over by doing this to conform into a one-world religion. Even the Muslims pay tribute to the Pope. A lot of people are not aware of that. That's why you never see no tax in Rome or nothing. And people you know, forget history that was the Catholic Church that put Hitler in power as well. And um, I mean, they, they, you, you've seen this new world order because at the time... Uh, there was um, FDR and Henry Wallace calling for the New Deal, and the Pope Mussolini and Hitler were calling for the New Order. Both meant the New World Order. They tried to push the New World Order by force, but they realized, no, it has to be done incrementally, and people got to willingly accept it by depleting their economy, taking away from them, and people willingly accept it, and they'll actually beg for a New World Order. There's one of the quotes from uh, the Rockefeller right. there. Yeah, I've seen that quote. So you've see, you seen that happen right now, and all this time together, how it's all going to play out. And it's just so much more. I mean, it's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. And uh, yeah, it's just like it could be for hours just explaining little details and factoids, and it just like it's, it's overwhelming. But you know, the thing is, everybody's got to say, hey, you know what? God's in control of this, and um, you know, people have the ability and power. As all through history, there's always been that one rebel, you know, that stand up to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to change history. Look at uh, Tinsdale. Um, uh, you know, when the Catholic Church was killing people mm -hmm. for having a Bible, there was people at Tinsdale and um, the John Wycliffe that had the guts to put the Bible in English, King James, to say, hey, you know what? The whole world should read this, not just the Catholic Church. You know, and, uh, you know because they used it for control and they knew that. That's why the Protestants came along. Because you got to, like, watch why it's controlled. Oh, well, Christians ain't good because they killed people during the Inquisition. No, Catholics are not Christians. The Catholic Church is not a Christian at all because they conform to the catechism. I was born a Catholic, so I mean, I have very a lot of room to talk. I made my first communion and all that, and um, I definitely denounce all that because it is nothing at all 
I mean, they don't speak for the Bible. Everything in the Catechism is direct contrary to what Jesus teaches in the Bible. And um, you know, I mean, what, where did it come from? Like, what what are the writings that they use? What's their source? The popes really think they are on God. They, they they say that Pope means another Christ. That's uh, the, the Pope's official title is called Vicar of Christ, which means another Christ. They literally believe that they are another Christ on the planet. And when uh, the the, the priests when they do communion, they they when they hold the bread, they they call it a, a host. They literally think that Jesus Christ is literally in that host. And if they drop it, that's a big, 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 big thing again. You know, sin in the Catholic Church. Right. That's why you can't touch it. That's why um, the Catholic priest has to put it in your mouth for you. Ah. They think in that Eucharist that they carry that Jesus Christ is in there. What they're doing is that constantly, every Sunday, they're constantly re-sacrificing Jesus. That's why they got him on the cross. He's not, you know, I mean, he, when, you know, the, the, in, you know, biblical, he's risen, that's it. But they're constantly putting him on the cross. And uh, at the time, that priest really thinks that he... He's embodied with the with Christ, and um, and there's a lot of um, higher levels in the Catholic Church that uh, into huge into Luciferianism. They teach uh, they teach well, basically to become a um, high satanic priest. You got to be a Catholic priest first. That's interesting. Yep, and you got to be a member of a secret society like such as the Masons or something, and the witchcraft covenant and everything else. And um, while you're learning your priesthood, you're, in exchange for that, you're teaching these bishops black magic. And this goes along with the exorcisms. Now, anybody says, oh, you need a deliverance minister or a Catholic priest to exorcise demons. No, it's not true. Jesus says anyone that believes in him can do this. You don't have to be any of this sort, you know, of a Catholic priest or a deliverance minister. Now, with the Catholic priest, they have to seek permission by the bishops, the archbishop of the area. They can't just go uh, conduct an exorcism. They have to seek permission. But the archbishop, most of the time, like in most cases, the Catholic priests and low-level people, they really think they're serving God. They have no idea what's really going on behind the scenes. But um, if if the archbishop gives them permission, what they do is they install a host demon upon him. The, the priest doesn't even know it, and some do and some don't. And so when they go confront these demons, they sit there for hours on end trying to confront these demons. They put on a big dog and pony show. Right. The demons are going at it. you basically put on a show. And eventually the demon so-called goes away, but they come back eventually. But realistically, all it takes is the mere mutter of the word with faith, Jesus Christ, and the demon's gone. Seconds. That's how it takes, how quick it takes to exercise the demon. But they put on a big uh, hocus-pocus show, and it's all demonic-related. And um, Catholic churches, I mean, uh, back in the 80s, they were moving a lot of covens here in the United States here. And the um, land developers were digging up the old uh, tunnels and everything else, the old catacombs, and finding uh, hundreds of baby remains in uh, these catacombs and everything. Right. From the yeah, I've heard that. They would, what they would do is, like, so anybody that, who's been in a Catholic church who's taken the bread and drank the wine, you've actually ingested the blood of a human baby being. What they do is they would, upon birth, they, would, uh, they have an uh, altar dedicated to Lucifer. And the nuns would give birth, and upon birth, right, not even detaching the umbilical cord, they would slice the child's neck and drain that blood into a chalice, and they would all drink from it. And they would the, the, um, the priest there would ordain, or the bishop, the batch that was going to be made for the bread and the wine, he would take put his hand in with uh, this wand thing and sprinkle 
the sacrifice baby's blood into the batch of the wine, batch of the uh, the crackers, whatever, and the people would ingest that. And that's why when the priest, when he gives you the cracker, he does a sign of the bow cross, not a Christian cross. He does a sign of a plus sign cross on your forehead. You're receiving, this goes back to Babylon, the, uh, with the Moloch and uh, Baal worship. They, the, the parents would uh, put their kids, sacrifice their newborn children onto Moloch or onto Baal. And this goes back right back to then that what you're doing and all the people in the land there would ingest some of, of the child. And so what you're doing is like these people un, unwillingly knowing that they're, I mean, they're un, uh, unknowing that they're uh, uh, ingesting a human being's uh, blood. And this has been carried forward all these thousands yep, of years. These, yep. That is really interesting. That's the kind of stuff I really and, get like to explore. And um, the, the Catholic churches, you walk through the windows. I mean, you see all the symbolism all over the place. It's embedded. I mean, just like everything. That, I mean, all the religious art. If you go to museums and one in Springfield, Mass, I went to, they have a re- religious art section. It's all from Catholic, uh, all from Roman people and everything else. Da Vinci, Leonardo, and all these people that you know, you know, they have made these. Uh, all these famous artists. You see all this religious art. If you really look at this art. You see the um, the nativity scene and everything. If you really look at it, it is satanic to the core. People, oh, it's such a good picture. No, if you really look at it, you see Jesus doing um, uh, the hail to Satan, the Baphomet sign, and the demigod symbol in his hands with this, with the two fingers pointed up and the thumb out. Mm-hmm. That's uh, half man, half God, and uh, it's a uh, it's a satanic symbol along with the um, I love Satan symbol. And people say, I don't know the woman, I forgot her name, that invented sign language. The one who made, invented sign language when she did that for I Love You, she was a, she was a, a, a Satanist. She admitted, she was admitting Satanist that she, she did made that for to say, hey, I love Satan. She injected that into the sign language. So just one more way they got it out there. Yep, but the world just thought that dates back hundreds of years. You can see gargoyles in these things. You can see demons. And when you really look at them, you're like, what the hell? What is that doing there? Because people just glance at, oh wow, it's so good. But when you really look at it, you see the see hand gestures from Jesus or Mary or one of the uh, so-called saints or whatever, and uh, then you see black demons facing down and de- you know, devils and everything else, and right in the yacht, and you're like, holy crap! How high in the uh, Catholic Church would one have to go before they would be exposed to this, to the to the truth of it? Um, it depends. Uh, I mean, I think it's a more of a bishop level, and maybe some priest might be aware of it. But you know, some a lot of pre—I mean, a lot of priests do become a Catholic priest because they grow up in the Catholic Church and uh, they really think that they're serving God. Right. They really believe it and think it, and they're honestly good people, but they really believe that they're serving God, but not knowing that they're actually in the synagogue of Satan itself. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it's just crazy. Do you think? So yeah. I think it's probably the bishop levels and. Okay, so they have to go up a couple of ranks before they. Yeah. Now, do you think that would be? Um they'd be exposed to it right away, or do you think it would be almost like a Masonic thing where you're, you're gaining levels, you're gaining degrees and learning a little more each time? I don't think right away. I mean, they would have to fill you out, and um, depends. I mean, you know, especially this where the pedophilia comes into play. And uh, child pedophilia is the number one thing in Kabbalah and the number one thing in Satanism because they believe when you penetrate a child, you know, sodomy, it opens the world to Philemon. 
it's, uh, in the, that's in the Kabbalah, which is the highest level of Satanism. And um, it, it opens these, that's where Alistair Crowley openly bragged about having sex with over 150 male kids and killing them in one year alone. That's how he's killed thousands of kids over his lifetime. That's where he's called the beast. And it either brings us uh, immortality of doing this. Because you're taking the kid's innocence away and giving it to Lucifer for himself. It's interesting you bring that up because a few weeks ago I did an interview with a woman I met uh, who's in Minnesota, actually, whose two children, um, her ex that she had the two children with, uh, she, they're involved in this huge sex trafficking ring involving children, her children and others as well. And she, when she started trying to fight this, she found out it wasn't just her ex that was doing these things to the two kids. It was the judge and the cops. And it, the more she dug, the more she found out just how evil this thing really is and how far it goes. Oh, yeah, man. The rabbit hole goes farther than anyone could even imagine. I mean, there's it, still phantoms that I'm not even aware of either. And, uh, you know, I just say, I mean, when you think you're like, all right, I think I, I see the bottom. Yeah, right. It's like not even close. Well, it's a scary thing. I've run into a couple people now just uh, reaching out on, on the Internet, just trying to network and connect with people. And I found her story and then another girl, and you, I think you know her, uh, Cecilia Satori. She told me, uh, she's on Freedom Freedomizer. She told her story last week where she almost got involved in a snuff film. And it's like, it's right there in our society. It's just like you poke a little bit and you find it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's just like two horrifying stories right in a row, these these terrible things that are going on. And, you know, our life isn't what most people think it is. It's like one step in the wrong direction and all of a sudden you're in that darkness. Well, absolutely. And I always tell people, you know, it's like I don't like to force my beliefs upon people, but you know what? Is when you start look, when you basically become a truther, when you start looking into into the abyss, if you're not well grounded, if you don't have that spiritual anchor, that abyss will pull you in. It did it to the best of people, and um, I mean, it just racks your mind. I've seen people going crazy, you know, that got into the truth movement. Started learning about more stuff than they wanted to, and actually crack up from it, and see stuff that they didn't want to see. And it's uh, you have to be well grounded mentally, physically, you know, more mentally. I mean, and spiritually, you have to be grounded mentally and spiritually before you even dare to pierce into that black hole. Because if you're not, you'll be you become part of that. Well, you'll find out just how bad things really are. Oh yeah, and it's it's a scary sight, even for the best of us. You know what I mean? It's a real scary sight, and. Um, you know, you, at all times, you've got to maintain that mentality and spirit, spiritual ground, you know, that, hey, God's got you and all that stuff. And because if you don't, man, it's, it's nasty. And uh, then you got got uh, movies out like Zeitgeist. I mean, Zeitgeist, they expose 9-11, the New World Order and all that. But what they don't realize is they're, um, they're trying to say, oh, Jesus, you know, they try to downplay, debunk Jesus. But the thing is, they're taking the Catholic version of Jesus. Oh, look at all the similarities of him and Osiris, him and uh, Josephus, which is all false. You know, not only on Jesus' half, but Osiris. Osiris never claimed to walk on water, never claimed, anybody knows Egyptian theology, knows the stuff, never claimed half the stuff that they say he did. And they like to construe this together to cause confusion with people, to say Jesus was just another um, master, uh, spiritual master of the age of uh, pieces. You know, and in, uh, the, in the astrological chart like that didn't come about until later on after Jesus. It was constructed around that era 
to make it all fit together, you know, and that's, uh, and that's why I say, oh, he was born on December 5th, so wasn't he. No, Nimrod, yes, he was born on December 5th, but Jesus wasn't. The Catholic version of Jesus was. That's why it all fits together on those movies, right, guys? Right, I think they so, discussed the whole uh, December 22nd, 3rd yep. and 4th, and it just all ties into the winter solstice and all that. Yep, and uh, what they fail to tell the people that, no, Jesus didn't have long hair. He had short hair because it was Jewish laws for male to cut their hair. Jesus wasn't white, he wasn't black. He was what a Hebrew man is today. And this goes for the churches out there who have statues of Jesus white or black. First of all, the second commandment says you're not supposed to have a statue at all, period. Even if it's heaven or holy. But they do this, and um, but they want you know, the Catholic Church and these uh, cultists to paint Jesus as a little degraded uh, person with long hair, like a hippie and all that, which was no such thing, you know, and uh, was far from the truth. And, um, you know, the Zeitgeist said the New World Order that they claim to be against is what they're actually serving. Now, if they're deliberately doing that or foolishly convinced because they, they're going by the Catholic version of Jesus, but the thing is, they, they even lied about Osiris as well. Osiris never claimed any of those. He never claimed to have 12 disciples walk on water. He never claimed to raise anybody from the dead. And the other thing was um, a spoof off was the, the virgin birth, which Sam Aramis with Tamut, which was uh, Horus. Horus wasn't a virgin birth because uh, his mother, Sam Aramis, which is uh, Isis in the Egyptianology, she was a temple prostitute before marrying Nimrod, which is Osiris. And when they got married, um, you know, before she had the kid, well, she, she she claimed to get pregnant by divine. Uh, basically, when uh, Nimrod was killed, he was uh, he was killed. His body parts were scattered in the Nile. She put most of the body parts back together, but she couldn't find his penis. Right. Yeah. So where the the phallic symbol comes in, you know, what people think is a Washington monument, but it's not. It's an obelisk. It's, yeah. a, it's a phallic uh, object. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And she created that. She sewed his body back together, made one of those, and had sex with it, and claimed to be, get pregnant off of that. But she was already pregnant before Nimrod was killed, in reality, with uh, Tammuz, which was also known as Horus. But Horus was killed by a wild boar against a pine tree. Uh, and wild boar you know, like charged him right against the pine tree. And this is why the pine tree is used on Christmas, and also this is why the ham is eaten on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> it's fascinating how all these things intertwine, isn't it? Yep. And all, all these holidays all together. And uh, the thing told Jesus, he wasn't, he didn't rise on the Sunday. You know, he would, people say, oh, Good Friday died and uh, Sunday he resurrected. But that doesn't fit nothing. First of all, that would have never happened because that Friday, the Jews prepared for their Sabbath. They would have never uh, gone through with the execution. Because the Sabbath is Friday night to Saturday night. Saturday is the Sabbath, the seventh day of God, you know. And uh, the Catholic saints is it's Sunday, you know, but Saturday. But uh, they would have never done that, and um, and uh, the the Romans would have either because there was some kind of Roman holiday going on, or whatever it was. And uh, so that that he rules that right there. And he said three days and three nights. That's seventy-two hours. He specified three different times: three days, three nights. So if you take uh, the you know they say about Friday night, that's when Jesus died. Well, three o'clock. Everybody could agree about three o'clock in the afternoon. That's when he died. So if you take Friday from 3 o'clock to Saturday, 3 o'clock to 24 hours, and they said they opened the tomb on Sunday morning. That's not even two days. That's not even 48 hours. That's not three days and three nights. People all look Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, Jesus said three days, three nights. 72 hours. So um, he was killed on um, Wednesday, 3 o'clock, 
and from three o'clock to Thursday is twenty four hours to Friday is forty eight and seventy two to Saturday on the Sabbath. He rose on the Sabbath. But they, the thing is, the Jews didn't open two on Saturday. They opened on Sunday because Saturday is the Sabbath. They have to rest. Right. So it wouldn't matter if they opened on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. He was already gone since uh, Saturday. So and, uh, that's one of the confusion. The Catholic, uh, the Catholic Church has really uh, diluted anything biblical in this country. And that's why a lot of people turn into other false religions and cults and everything else, because everything's so misconstrued. Nobody knows what to believe, what to do. Especially when we talked about earlier with the Illuminati, uh, you know, destroying religions from within, with uh, their own um, uh, pastors and everything else, form their own religions and everything else. Well, it sounds like they've done a really good job of just making a mess out of everything, so people just don't know well, what to know, to know or to believe. Yeah, and if you looked at it like the 10,000-piece puzzle, you're like, there's no picture to help you either. You're like, what the hell? You don't even know where to stop. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's almost all the same color. Yeah. <laughs> That's the impression I've gotten because there's just so much I've looked at. I'm like, well, I'll try and put it together, you know? Yeah, eventually years and years and years you start learning. Because like, one time another, I was like just researching stuff. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I have no why, reason why I'm doing this, why I'm printing stuff out stuff that I thought was just totally irrelevant from anything. And one day it just clicked in and they all, you know, it's just like, hey, that's why it has to do with this. You know, and uh, it all made sense. You know what I mean? You know, it's just like the whole path to, you know, the, this knowledge here has been amazing. You become illuminated. Exactly. And uh, it's like, uh, it's like the Matrix. You know what I mean? Like, you're plugged in, you're plugged in your head and all of a sudden you're, uh, you realize the world ain't what it, you thought it was. Do you want to put anything out there, uh, websites, any, whatever it is you want to show to represent yourself? Sure, it's uh, all my social media, to make it all simple, because <laughs> I have a ton of Facebooks, ton of uh, YouTube channels and everything else, just to make it easy on everybody, just go to truthradioshow.com. Again, truthradioshow.com. Right on it, there's a link that says social media networks. You click on that, it's got all the names and everything. You just click on it and join or whatever. And my Facebook, Twitter, um, MySpace, um, I got one of those two, Pinterest and LinkedIn, and YouTube channels and all that stuff. And, and everything's all right there. Everything, my contact information, videos, links to my videos, everything, all on that one site, truthradioshow.com. Fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation, and we touched on a lot of different topics. And we could do another one where we could uh, really get into your own personal history and experiences and uh, explain how you started and got to where you're at now absolutely anytime man cool that's it everybody thank you so much for joining us on secrets of saturn we'll see you again good night